the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We were many, many weeks ago. So uh, there's, if if your child has begun acting a little bit crazy, you know what it's all about. You were a kid one time. You remember it. We're making our contact right now, who, our first guest today. Well, my first guest is sitting in the studio right now. Robert Steinbach is here. You know, he's... Law professor over at UALR, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect that of the school or Bowen School of Law. But joining us in just a moment is going to be Major Garrett. Nico, that Major Garrett, the guy he's with CBS now, used to be with Fox? Yeah, that Major Garrett. He's got a new book coming out called Mr. Trump's Wild Ride. And he is, he's ready to talk to us. And this, is, this was fun to put this together because uh, the day I got the uh, notice from the publisher that they wanted to have him on our show here, the day before, Robert and I were talking on the air and we were talking about who did we think was one of the better news reporters on television and the first word, this is not true, Robert. The That's first words correct. that came out of my mouth is the guy I really like right now is Major Garrett. That's right. And that's like the Pope saying you're really a good Catholic, okay? <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, I will take it. It's like a good housekeeping seal or a better business <laughs> bureau or something, right? It's it was It was so funny because I got that, and I said, man, they must have been trolling and listening to my show. <laughs> So they decided to to your show, man. Everybody listens to the show. Absolutely. If you want to know what's happening in the South, you got to listen to my show for sure. I got to. I'm serious about this. I think you're one of the better objective reporters that I watch on television. Most people are into that whole, uh, you know, uh, not objective reporting, but. You know, let's go out and do a story that is all fluff and makes everybody feel good and then just get the people that agree with you to talk to you and all of that. Uh, look, I, I've got my journalism major from college, and I uh, I wanted to be a journalist. I was for several years and until I, I went into my, my news director with a story, and they said, well, you know, I don't know if we should do that one, Dave. We got a couple of advertisers that won't like it. And it got spiked. <laughs> Major, it got spiked, and it was at that moment I knew it was time for me to go to talk. Sure. I can, I can understand that. Um, and for those in the audience who may remember me, I was at Fox for a long oh, time. Yeah. I'm at CBS now, CNN. I uh, work for U.S. News and World Report, Washington Times. I've been a, I've run the gamut. I've been everywhere, and one thing has been consistent. Whoever I work for, I do it the same way, and that's to go pursue the story, 
not already have the story cooked up before you go out to pursue the story. Thank you. And just let the facts fall where they may and get out of the way. Don't tell the audience what to think. Just tell the audience what you know, what you've learned, that's most important about that story that day, and then leave it at that. Well, Bill O'Reilly was on yesterday on the show and said to tell you hi. Well, that's great. I hope hope he's doing well. He is. Uh, And, uh, you know, I had a very, I had a great run uh, at Fox for eight years. Uh, We parted as friends. That doesn't always happen in the industry, as as you well know. Yep. And uh, we were, we, I was good for Fox. Fox was good for me. So there you have it. All right. So uh, you've got a new book out. It's called Mr. Trump's Wild Ride. Anybody who has ridden a roller coaster knows all about, you know, (laughs) the crazy frog out there that you can ride or the wild mouse or whatever. But uh, you call it Mr. Trump's Wild Ride. And, um, you know, the chills, the thrills. The screams and occasional blackouts of an extraordinary presidency. Now, you've covered a lot of presidents besides Trump. Yeah. Is he the, is he really the most unique person that you've had to report on? Unquestionably. And uh, the country feels that. The country experiences that. The news comes at all of us, those of us who are here on the White House daily, in lots of different directions at many different speeds. Sometimes there's tremendous velocity and volatility. As I write in the book, President Trump is completely unique in our experience as a country, and his election tells us we're in an experimental frame of mind. Every other previous president did one of two things, sometimes both, but usually one of two things. either had an established political track record that you could look at, votes cast, speeches given, etc., or led large armies victoriously into battle. President Trump didn't do either of those things. As a matter of fact, he sort of lived his life a sort of both of them. And that his election tells us something about our recalibrated expectations of what you need to be a president. And he brought a completely different skill set, a completely different attitude about how the White House works internally, how it projects its message externally. And the book is really about what has happened already. First 18 months of the Trump administration, lots of things have happened. And for those in your audience who may say to themselves in their car or around the dinner table, you know, what's happened? What, what has he done? Is the media ever going to pay attention to that? Well, I do on a daily basis. But if you want it all in one place, I would recommend the book. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to read it. I can't, I can't wait to get it. Robert Steinbach is here. He's a law professor here at the Bowen School of Law. He joins us. You had questions for Mr. Yeah. Garrett. Major, uh, what I find so surprising with the press since Trump has been elected is a total change in the dynamic. Of course, the press is made up of individuals, and they've always had their political perspectives. And I have no doubt that both on the left and the right, it seeped in, and we would always be on guard for it. But that has changed. Now it seems to me that the press... Um, ha- doesn't pick any bones about showing their true colors and 
they take the bait every time Trump challenges them. Trump calls them bad guys, and they start to argue with Trump as to whether or not they're bad guys <laughs> in, a, in, a, in an effort to, I guess, convince either Trump or the audience that they're not bad guys. So they've moved away from being reporters to being advocates. And I think, frankly, that's exactly what the president wants. They fall for the game Almost every time. Uh, what do you think of my assessment? I think it's 100% correct. And your eyes are not deceiving you. Um, I don't speak for the press collectively, the White House press corps or anyone else. I speak for myself and what I do. And I hold myself accountable and the audience holds me accountable every day. I have a good relationship with the president. I've known him for a while. I started covering him in the uh, Early August of 2015, did not know him before then, never met him, never interacted with him. So all of our interactions have been strictly within a political context. Mm -hmm. But to your point about this emotionalism and the sense of counter-advocacy, that comes across. People see it. People feel it. And to the degree my colleagues here have asked me for advice about this, since I did cover the campaign, it's been to do exactly what you said. Don't be an advocate. Don't be emotional. Cover the story. Cover the story. But she will decide what to do with the facts of that story. It always has. It always will. We are not advocates, and we certainly aren't entitled to any emotions about this presidency. We are professionally unentitled to emotional reactions to any president. It's happened. The country has spoken. The person is here. Cover the institution. Cover the president. The country will decide what to do about that information. That job's big enough responsibilities enough come with that stick to that but to your point when the president challenges and people get emotionally involved and ratchet themselves up in his very presence it proves an underlying point his and his supporters you guys are invested in this for some other reason than journalism that's the last thing we should be doing and i in my daily comportment here at the white house try to just stay with the story stay with the facts and leave it at that now, you do a good job of it, uh, Major, I believe. You've not fallen for um, moving away from objective journalism and moving into advocacy journalism, and I see it more and more, and it's taught more and more in colleges, and it's disgusting as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I started in Amarillo, Texas, uh, as a police reporter. That was my first job out of the University of Missouri School of Journalism. I grew up in San Diego, came to the Midwest to go to what was then, and I still believe it is one of the best, if not one of the best journalism schools in the country. And everything I learned there, I took to my first job in Amarillo, Texas, as a cop reporter. Was there for two years, was a cop reporter in Las Vegas, Nevada. Then I was in Houston, at the Houston Post, a paper that doesn't even exist anymore, but it existed back then, 14th largest newspaper in the country back then. And then I got to Washington, because that was always my goal. And whether it's a cop story or a political story, same, same things apply. Facts, accuracy, curiosity, and high energy. All those things are what a good journalistic story is built on. And if you stick with those four, you'll be in good shape. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah, And I'm really, that's what the book is about. One of the things about the book I'm really proud of in this context for both of you, because I think it's sort of an underlying part of this conversation, the president complains about this a lot, the sources, unnamed sources, whether they're good or not, bound or inbound, I'm not here to debate that. What I'll tell you in the book is everyone is on the record. Everyone is good on for the record. Good for you. That's great. Because I believe that's a verification measure for the readers. They can verify it themselves. 
That's exactly right. You know, right. they read it and say, does anyone complain publicly about that quote? Guess what? Nobody has. Yeah. The White House hasn't complained. Nobody. Because it's accurate. I think the press further does itself a disservice. And, and I, just to be clear, when I say the press, of course, I'm grouping uh, disparate factors together. And it's just a generalization. Acosta. Uh, right. Acosta. But, but <laughs> we, it, it's perfectly legitimate. For people in the press, that's probably a better way to phrase it, to say the president said X, we've gone and checked, and uh, X is not an accurate number, let's say. He said something cost a billion, it cost uh, a half a billion. I'm just making up the example. But that's sure, right, of course. That's perfectly legitimate. That's fact checking anybody, and the press can say that statement was wrong. But the press does two other things now, or again, people in the press too often, I believe, do two other things that I think again, are silly. One is they will routinely call that a lie. Now, lie requires intent. Maybe sometimes it is a lie. Maybe sometimes it's not a lie regarding whomever you're talking about, not necessarily the president, anybody. But that's a big leap, and you better be careful when you make that leap. And the press does it, uh, or at least people in the press do it routinely, and I think that's a problem. And then the second thing is, which I think perhaps undermines them even more, is that then there are issues that are not purely fact. Like the president says that the caravan is an invasion. Well, the word invasion is a characterization. It's an opinion. It's a description. I think it's accurate. But I can see where people say, well, we usually think of invasions as being more uh, oriented towards the military. So I don't use that word, some other person might say. But the press in this context routinely said, that's a lie. It's not an invasion. It can't be a lie when it's a characterization. And again, the press comes off looking highly biased. Um, So I wanted to share those two examples with you and get your reaction as well. Sure. And look, when I first got in the newspaper business, in uh, the summer of 1984, big, bright lines between editorial pages and news yep. pages. And as I watched the television industry develop, and I got into the television industry late in my career, after almost 18 years as a print reporter, two books under my belt, working at newspapers, news magazines. So I'm, I was late to the TV game, but I've watched it change before my very eyes. There's been a tremendous blurring between reporters and those who come on to offer opinions slash analysis. And our industry has done a great deal to blur these lines and confuse viewers and consumers of news about what's news, what's straight-up news, and what's in either in analysis embellished or straight-up editorial commentary. Mm-hmm. So we've confused our own audience mm-hmm. by blurring these standards, I think, to our detriment. And as I learned during the Trump campaign, talking to Trump supporters at more than 75 rallies, which I attended, they would say, look, I don't trust the media to be an arbiter of what's a fact anymore. Besides, even if candidate Trump is inaccurate about this one thing or another, and I talk about this in the book, he speaks to me about larger truths, larger truths to them about trade, larger truths about immigration, larger truths about the political system and whether it's rigged in favor of them or against them. Those larger truths for Trump supporters far outweighed in their own significance. And guess what? Voters get to decide what's significant, Mm -hmm. not me. Mm -hmm. Voters decide. And they did decide. And when the president says invasion, guess what? He's the president of the United States. He can say that. Call it whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Then the public decides whether it collectively agrees or disagrees. All we're supposed to do is tell the country what he says. Show the pictures, show the underlying facts, and then back away. 
because our political system, we've been through a lot in this country. Mm-hmm. We've dealt with a lot of huge issues. We do it openly, we do it collectively, and we do it over time. And I think one of the underlying points you make is sometimes it feels as if the press is trying to adjudicate these things in the moment mm-hmm. and get in the way of that process. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's your impression, that's your perception, totally valid. All I know is what I try to do is just let people hear, develop their own ideas, and let them decide over time. All right. His name is Major Garrett. You've seen him a long time on television covering uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C. He's got a new book out from All Points Books. You can get it anywhere you get your books. It's called Mr. Trump's Wild Ride, the Thrills, Chills, Screams, and Occasional Blackouts of an Extraordinary Presidency. And uh, just a couple more questions for you, Major. A couple of things in the book that I'd like you to kind of talk about that you've seen up close and personal. Talk about how Newt Gingrich tried to control Trump on <laughs> tweeting and uh, how negotiations ensued about that. How'd that work out? Well, uh, yeah, control is too strong a word. Uh, <laughs> everyone who knows Donald Trump well knows there's no controlling that. But uh, I, I recount, again, on the record in the book, it's a delightful story, a lot of fun to hear, a lot of fun to write, uh, and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback, people reading that story and really enjoying it, getting a kind of a kick out of it. This former speaker of the House who I've known for almost 30 years uh, covered him when he was in the minority and then as speaker in his political afterlife, and I was a significant advisor to this president, said he went into the Oval Office one day and said, you know, 80% of you would be 100% better. <laughs> and got to the president. Great line, don't you think? It is a good line. It's Newt Gingrich. <laughs> and the president said, you're talking about my tweets, right? And Newt said, yes. And then the president said, and I recount all this in the book, you mean 95%. <laughs> it's got to be 95% of my tweets would make me 100% better. And then the speaker said, no, I meant 80. <laughs> and they never got to the underlying question of whether he should tweet more or less because the president wouldn't get off negotiating with the former speaker of the House exactly what percentage of tweets he really liked. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. I think in a certain way, that's the president in a nutshell. (laughs) I I would agree with you. Major, we're out of time. I want to thank you uh, for giving us some time. Maybe uh, in the future we can get you back on and spend a little bit. Yes, we can. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Come across what you like, and we'll have another conversation if you'd be so kind. I'd love to do it. All right. That sounds good. Thank you very much, Major Major. uh, Garrett. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, CBS News Chief White House Correspondent now. Used to be the Chief White House Correspondent with Fox for eight years. Smart guy. Good, smart guy. Good guy on to, to have on the air. And a guy that I like uh, as I watch him do his job. Hey, did you know there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits? 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook. And to make matters worse, well, the you know, the guys up there that sit up in the... Uh, the wells of the House and the Senate tell the Social Security Administration they are actually forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. And it's no wonder why there's as much as $10 billion in benefits they go unclaimed every year. Learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show, right here on 101 FM the answer to get your free 2018 guide to Social Security. Be one of the first 10 callers right now 
at 501-653-6690. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. You want to get news or opinion or commentary? You don't get any of it. You get sheer shock. And to an objective uh, listener or watcher, it's not impressive at all. No. You know, I look back and I followed journalism for a long time. I, I was in journalism school during time from the time I was in high school all the way, you know, through college. But the people that we studied then were people like Edward J. Murrell. Sure. All right. And we would listen to those great broadcasts he meant he made when he was standing during the Blitz of London during World War Two and standing on a roof and broadcasting live. And at that time, it just so happened, you know, it was on Paley's CBS radio. And uh, they were fantastic. It wasn't made-up stuff. It wasn't uh, advocacy stuff. It was straight-on hard news, hard-nosed news. It was, it was great stuff. Then it, it slowly began changing. I mean, I know there's a lot of people, even in my profession today and when I was a, journalism, a journalist, that thought that Walter Cronkite was the be-all, end-all. And I always thought that he was one of the more, uh, it was very obvious to me, he was a liberal, it was very obviously to me he would tilt the news. All you had to do when you wanted to know that Walter, that Uncle Walter, as everybody called him, was til- and tilting the news is when he'd lift that eyebrow. He'd say something and he'd lift his eyebrow. I'll tell you who started off as a great reporter and then somewhere along the line, I don't know if he did some acid at a party and didn't realize it and it screwed up his head, but Dan Rather was a very good reporter at one time and then he allowed his own personal politics to direct how he did stories and that's a, I think what happens is that people they go on every night, Monday through Friday, and sit in you know in America's living room, get an overarching feel of power. That's right. That's right. And as we were talking with Major about, the power has now transformed, or the application of that power has now transformed, where at one point, the press understood its power, and saw its role as communicating ideas. There's a reason educating. they were called the fourth estate exactly. at one time. Exactly. And now they've become the fourth political branch. That's correct. They've become sure advocates, yep. and they undermine their credibility. And and as I mentioned again earlier to Major, the president will bait them. The president's a politician. He may not have been throughout his career – but he got elected president. That makes him a politician. But he knows how to play the press. That's my point. Because he's done it exactly. all his life. And now he's now he goads them, and they take the bait. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely take the bait. And part of the problem maybe is that the cameras in the White House 
turn on the press corps. I mean, I mean that physically. They directionally turn to the reporter asking the question, and then you get people like Grandstanding Acosta. You ever notice? Not only does he ask these loaded, baited questions that are not uh, designed to elicit a factual response, um, he doesn't even let the president answer. He will immediately get into an argument with the president. Well, it's this is not a debate. This mm-hmm. is a question-answer session. You don't like the answer or you want to follow-up, do a follow-up. For the most part, the president's allowed follow-ups, as most presidents do. So there's nothing wrong with a follow-up. But how do you interrupt him when you decide you don't like the answer? He's given an answer. You can say, I don't believe it. I don't like it. I don't whatever. But if you ask the question, you kind of got to wait for the answer. Not with people like Jim Acosta because they're not interested in the answer. They're interested in the show. They're interested in the theatrics. Well, it's only been in the last 10 to 15 years and uh, Jan Morgan and I were talking about this yesterday, that when you're out covering, for instance, a news or, or, you know, where you're doing the press is there and everybody's asking questions, that when somebody asked, answered a question, you would ever say that you would hear a reporter say, well, that's false. Right. Right. You're, you're stretching the truth. Nobody absolutely nobody would do that now it may have been pretty clear that what they were doing was stretching the truth but the way you did that is you'd ask for a follow-up right and you and you would look right at them and say are you sure that's the way this went down or that's the way this happened or whatever and you'd give them another chance that's the old give them enough rope and if they're trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, they'll hang themselves right in front of everybody. That's right. That's right. But now it's not that way. Now it's you want to argue with them personally. Exactly. Because you don't agree with whatever they're saying. Exactly. And that's not being a reporter. Exactly. exactly. That's being a talk show host. Exactly. And by the way, uh, did we ever hear the press say to Obama, uh, when it turned out, uh, much as many of us suspected, that you will not always be able to keep your own doctor, uh, that you, Obama, are a liar. You never heard that. No, right? you would never hear it. You would never hear it because that's the difference. Now, it, it, you, you certainly heard conservative press and you may have heard non-conservative press point out that, it, that in fact, you didn't get to keep your own doctor. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly legitimate. You point out the claim versus the reality. Uh, but like I said earlier, then there's the automatic – now, under President Trump, there's the automatic he's a liar when just because something he says turns out not to necessarily be true, that doesn't make him a liar. Uh, now – People can lie, and you can accuse people of lying, but every marginally uh, uh, or every statement that the press decides is at least marginally inaccurate cannot be a lie. That's just not accurate. But that distinction has since been lost on the press. Well, let's let's look at it in the way you should handle it. Yeah, the president says if you get Obamacare, if you have a physician, you get to keep your physician. And then a couple of months go down the road, and then suddenly they announce it's not going to be that way. That's right. An astute reporter, if he's at a presser, 
make sure that the press secretary or whoever is, you know, knows who's there and they tell you, yeah, we'll let you talk. Right. And that's the way it works, by the way. And you get your side and you go, Mr. President, on, you know, November of uh, the last year, you said that with Obamacare, people would be able to, uh, that had a doctor, could keep their doctor and wouldn't have to lose their doctor. But yet, uh, just uh, the other day, you came out and said that that isn't the case anymore. When did that change and why? That's the proper question. Right, right, right. All right. And you ask it because he's the president of the United States, even though maybe he's a guy that's a, you know, he's a jerk. He's still the president of the United States and the office deserves the respect of that office. Well, it's and the press seems to think that they are advancing what should be their goal of spreading the truth. And what they're doing is advancing the goal of making themselves look even more partisan. And the public knows this. The public perceives this. So, but the the press is in an echo chamber and they don't realize. Uh, they believe this. their own press. I'm That's just right. telling you. They That's believe right. their That's own right. press. That's right. Well, that's like I said, when when you're watching CNN, which used to be straight up news. Now, they were always somewhat left of center, although not not like MSNBC left of center, but they tilted a little bit left. And that was OK. You, uh, it's hard to strike it exactly down the middle. But they were, were a news station. But now I turn on Don Lemon and he's staring into the camera, shocked, breathless. And his commentary is, wow, wow. And saying that he's a reporter. Right. Not right. that I'm right. a talk host. Right, right. And, and, that, and that's two different. I've had to explain that to people. Right. Well, how do you say that? You're a reporter. And I go, no. I left that behind in the 80s. Right. When I stepped out of being a reporter and became a talk show host. Right. I'm more like the guy that works for the newspaper and writes the, the opinion. Page. Yeah. Sure. The opinion columns. That's what I am. It's what I think. I'm taking the the subjective facts and or the uh, objective, objective facts yeah. and give it giving it a subjective twist through my lens. That's what my show is all about. Uh, by the way, uh, on a somewhat related point, Mike Masterson had a wonderful editorial in the Dem Gaz yesterday or the day before on the Freedom of Information Act, and it was fantastic. It pointed out exactly what we've been talking about time and time again on this show, and that the Freedom of Information Act in Arkansas is a good one, mm-hmm. that the legislature should not mess it up, Nope. Uh, that there are at times various legislators of either party willing to mess up our Freedom of Information Act. Uh, and it is the tool by which we, the public, directly as well as through the press, are able to keep at least some, some check on the overgrown bureaucratic state. Uh, and we have enough bureau hacks out there. Uh, and we've got to keep our eye on them every single day. They're spending our money, Dave. Yeah. Uh, and we've got to watch them and watch them closely because every time we don't do that, and my, by the way, and many times even when we do do that, they get caught with their fingers 
in the uh, piggy bank. Yep, trying to do something they shouldn't be trying That's to right. do. All right, get a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee on your plumbing work with Arrow Plumbing. If you're not one hundred percent satisfied with the service they've provided, they'll refund all your money. Now, I'll be honest, Arrow is who I use, and I've been using them for nearly uh, sixteen years now. If their plumber shows up and they smoke in your house or swear in your house or you they don't wear your shoe covers you do not pay for the service no cost to you at all and if a repair fails in the first year they're going to repair it again at no charge and that's with arrow plumbing find out uh you know how to call them what the costs are things of that nature at arrow plumbing Dot net or just Google Arrow Plumbing. All right, let's move into the second hour here at the Dave Ellswick Show here on a Wednesday. And uh, we're getting close to uh, Christmas. We are, what, uh, 13 days away. Is that correct? Today's the 12th, right? Uh, I'm not the math major. I'm the law professor. Okay. Yeah, 12 and 13 equals 25, so I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. By the way, thank you to everybody who came out to the classic movie last night. Had a full theater where it's a wonderful life. Everybody likes to see yeah, that movie. movie. I wish we could have shown uh, White Christmas, but uh, there was a couple of other big theater chains uh they do those fathom uh, things, and uh, they they buy out the, the use of the film. And the bottom line was that uh, we couldn't get it, hmm. and we had to make the change in November of all times. But uh, so maybe next year we'll do White Christmas. Our two favorite movies to show are Wonderful Life, White Christmas, and one more. Miracle on 34th Street, the black and white version, of course. Now, the White Christmas, didn't they change the title of that movie to the... Yeah, it was was Holiday Inn when it was first put out in the late 30s and starred, um, was it, was uh, Bing Crosby... Danny Kaye, wasn't it? No, Danny Kaye was in uh, uh, White Christmas, was was in White Christmas. The other one... Doggone, who was it? I can't think off just off the top of my head. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Danny Kaye was in the second one. Well, was, I was, it, was it Gene? Was wasn't Gene Kelly? Ah, we'll come up with it. I, I was going to suggest, Dave, that White Christmas uh, may have been renamed more recently uh, "Privileged." Oh, Christmas. oh, okay. You had a joke. You were you were trying to set up on uh, a you joke. tell me is that a joke? I didn't know. I okay. don't think you it's. A, I think it's a joke. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. hope it's a joke, except mm-hmm. for the left, and they believe it. Right, Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, Theresa May has won the confidence vote against her, but she's clinging to power by a thread. They're saying this is according to the Sun newspaper in Britain. Uh, 117 of the uh, other folks said no. Uh, She won the support of 200 of the Tories, enough to stay in post, but the number of rebels suggests she could be in trouble anyway. Mrs. May might now consider resigning in the wake of the shaky victory, and even if she stays in office beyond the next few days, 
it's going to be extremely tricky for her to get any Brexit deal signed off on. Uh, The Prime Minister has already pledged to resign before the next election in 2022, making the vow today in a bid to win over more support. And Miss May is expected to make a uh, a statement at number 10 Downing Street within another couple of minutes. Uh, She said uh, yesterday, in my heart, I would like to lead the party into the next election, but I accept that won't happen. That suggests she will step aside within two years at the most with the next election scheduled to take place in June again of 2022. Now, how about some other good news? I'm glad that May has survived that vote, mm-hmm. uh, the no confidence vote. Uh, Dow Jones uh, is uh, looking like it's going to be in the green when it closes today. Uh, right now it's sitting at 157.03, and that is a 0.64%. The NASDAQ is at 66, positive, uh, puts them at 7,098. Uh, it's up just shy of 1%, and the S&P 500 uh, is at 1429 uh, Again, that's 2651 or up a half a percent or thereabouts. Now, I think that what's happened with May played into this of it being positive. Absolutely. It's, it's, I Absolutely. mean, look, if somebody gets a cold, if the premier of China gets a cold, mm-hmm. Uh, it will affect the uh, the market. If the president sneezes while he's talking to the press, uh, it will affect uh, the stock market. So anyway, just know, though, good things have happened, I, I believe, for uh, at least May is, is staying in probably for two more years, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying she's been the, the greatest prime minister, but I don't think she deserved to get blasted out uh, of the position. And and here's the other thing that I find so interesting about, you know, our roots come from over there in England. Sure. All right. How interesting that our founding fathers didn't base everything that we did the way they did the parliamentary oh, yeah. way yeah. of doing things over in Britain. We moved away from that a lot. Well, you know, you bring up a very interesting parallel for discussion. If the impeachment process becomes used uh, often as a political tool, it will look like that. It will look like that. That's exactly right. So if the impeachment process becomes abused, what will happen is we will essentially devolve, and and I choose that word intentionally, into parliamentary system whereby the the elected um, representatives will determine who runs the country, not the people. And, of course, that was the way initially uh, under our constitutional design, and we undid that. We have now yep. direct elections uh, for presidents, uh, and uh, so um, – uh, or almost direct, right, because we still have the, the – electoral college. The electoral college, which right. shows that there's a good reason for that. 
Yeah, look, I think there are arguments in favor and arguments again. I just find it uh, comical when I hear the Democrats say, oh, we've got to get rid of it now that they realize that they uh, were uh, they won the popular vote in certain elections but didn't win the Electoral College. Now they want the popular vote. Watch. If it were the other way around, they would want it exactly the other way around. Just think about it. Uh, what the Electoral College stops is, I mean, if you look at politics across the United States, if you get around big cities, you're typically going to have a large contingent of people that will vote liberal. Mm-hmm. Okay, they vote liberal. They want big government. You get out into the rural areas and you will run into a lot of conservatives Mm -hmm. who don't want Mm -hmm. big government. And so it protects those beliefs out in the rural area from being just smashed by the people that live in the big cities. Well, and it it it, you're exactly right. It moderates the effect of the um, coasts, basically. The Mm -hmm. Electoral College moderates... The effect of the of the coasts. If we didn't have the electoral college, uh, the coastal states—New York, California, uh, uh, which would be the two largest—would uh, would determine the outcome. Largely, and the electoral college, the founders being the one who wrote it, was there to get the states to sign off on the constitution because they were afraid of the eastern seaboard states where the majority of people at that time lived Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now it 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 works no matter what the reasoning is about where people live at for the simple reason that uh, everybody uh, has a way to have their votes protected and balanced well and and george w bush pointed out uh when uh, dealing with the Electoral College and people say, well, but there were more votes here for the opponent. Presidents run an Electoral College system. If they're running in a pure democracy system, they run a different campaign. Now, I can't go back in time and tell you how each candidate would have done under a pure democratic system versus an Electoral College system. But if someone like Hillary wins the popular vote, she can't claim any sort of victory when her opponent wasn't running a popular vote contest or running in a popular vote contest and wasn't running a popular vote uh, program. But was running an electoral exactly. vote candidacy exactly. because that's how it's determined. That's how you win. You know, in football, you've actually got to cross the goal line. It doesn't matter how many yards you run up and down the field. you got to cross the goal line. And that's what winning candidates do with the Electoral College. So it's all sour grapes, whining. That's all it is. Yeah, it's just... uh, Are you playing Canadian football? Or are you playing American football? Because the rules are different. Exactly. But men in motion and all kinds of stuff in Canada can't do that here in the United States. So that's probably the easiest way... Uh, to understand the differences between the Electoral College and the popular vote. Plus, they didn't want uh, the mob to rule. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt that they were afraid of the mob ruling. Why? Look at the United States and our revolution, and look at France's. 
Mm-hmm. That is the difference between the moderation of of everybody having a voice and the moderation of no one having a voice unless you happen to be part of the majority that's telling everybody well, how it and, is. And, and indeed, that's the constitutional system we have is a check on pure democratic rule. There are certain things that the democratic electorate, the people, cannot and be glad do. it is that. Yeah, well, they, they can't, they, certain things they can't do, even if the majority or a supermajority want to do it under the terms of the Constitution. So uh, we're not purely democratic because we limit some of the democratic impulses that we think can be dangerous, as you aptly describe, as mob rule. Yeah, we didn't have a guillotine here right. during the revolution. Thank God for that. All right, quick break. We'll be back with more. Robert's with me until 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, Duck could be here. Joe can't make it. He's got people that are out sick, and he can't leave the shop today because he's short people, so not not in size, but in numbers. And uh, he can't be here to – he's got to help repair some cars himself. And then in the last hour, the folks from the center are going to be here, and Crystal and her husband will be here to talk about during the holidays. A lot of us are going to have a lot of great times, but some of us are going to have – some difficult times. How do you deal with that? We'll talk about it when we get back. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Eric Coleman will be on my show on Friday at 5 o'clock hour, and we're going to talk to him about, you know, we're getting close. Can't get a hold of him and wanted, and uh, want to do some kind of uh, uh, work as far as um something special you know for one person because he doesn't have the time to put it together it takes time to to do something specifically special for one person so uh, we'll be at the point where well what's your druthers then and i'm going to tell you what he's got all kinds of choices he's got all kinds of things you can look at and it'll make that other person very very happy just drop by and see him at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard. In fact, I'll suggest to you that you call him first, 501-246-3655. That's 501-246-3655. And let him talk to you. You've got to get a feel for what it is you're looking for, and he'll have some stuff setting out so you can look at it when you have your appointment with him. Eric Coleman at Hillcrest. Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard. All right, back with you, and so is my uh, buddy, Robert Steinbach. He joins us. Uh, we had him Monday, but doggone it, we didn't have him for a, a long time, and uh, I, I want to have him for a, a long time so we can get in here and, and have a great discussion because he really brings a lot of great thought to a lot of the topics that we're talking about. For instance, I know everybody's going to be talking about Theresa May and what they're going to be talking about is, what's this mean for Britain? What's this mean for Brexit? Well, see, I don't think you really care about that, but I think you do care that our founding fathers understood uh, how their methodology of um, governing the people was far, far not superior to the kind of way they had developed. 
how yeah, to yeah, govern the, the country. The, the American system is a simpler system uh, and one not as prone to political swings as a parliamentary system. And it wasn't an accident that the founding fathers chose uh, a, a system that would be more stable. Uh, Absolutely yeah. different than any other country before or almost since. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I'll say it, we are different even now than the countries around the globe. Oh, yeah. And we have we have a constitution of what's known as negative rights. And that means the constitution doesn't promise you anything. You know, there are constitutions in other countries, usually third world countries, but not only. That well, promise there's you one all- in the Soviet Union. Oh, it sounds course. a whole lot right. like ours until you read this, the fine print. Yeah. Uh, and they and they have these positive rights. You have a right to housing. Listen, I don't want anybody to be without housing. But what does it mean to have a right to housing? Houses don't just appear. If you have a right to housing, that means someone is compelled to build you a house if you don't Thank have you. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, negative rights simply talks about what the government can't do to you. Because government is a man-made creation. And if you create it, you better limit it. And that's why the notion of limited government with negative rights in a constitution uh, is the most stable form of government that can be created. And with rights not given by politicians, but by God. Right, right. And to be clear, you don't need to believe in God. You can believe they are natural rights or whatever term you want to use, but they are rights not provided to you because somebody says that he is he or they are giving them to you and they can take him away. These are rights that you hold no matter what. Now, you may need to fight for them, but they're your rights. Yeah, and it's important to keep that in mind because Jefferson said it first. Ford said it continually during the time that he had something to say during his political career, and that is... A government that is big enough to give you everything is big enough to take everything away. Well, that's exactly right. And we talked about, of course, on this show many times how Ronald Reagan said, be wary when the government shows up and says, we want to help you. Yeah. Be wary. Most dangerous words ever repeated. Exactly. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And I'm here to help. Uh, <laughs> now, to be clear, that doesn't mean that the government hasn't helped people and doesn't help people. That They have and they do. But- uh, like with many of these devil's bargains, there are often strings attached. So be wary is my advice. Yeah, always be wary. It's it's like Harry Brown, the libertarian candidate, used to say, and I love to repeat what he said, and that is the government shows up and breaks your legs and then comes back two weeks later and says, I got these things called crutches to help you. Yeah. It sounds a little like the mobsters that show up. Well, it's a whole lot like that, isn't it? Yeah. At times, it is exactly like that. So it's just something to keep in mind. Hope that you'll file that. Look, the way I learned a lot of that is the exact same way you're learning it, if you've never heard that before, is, well, one, I lived through it, and two, uh, I read and heard Harry Brown say that. Dave, can we talk for a minute? Uh, I know we often do. Can we talk for a minute about immigration, illegal yeah. immigration? Sure. Two minutes I got, and right. then we'll pick it up and after we'll news because it it's going to take longer than two yeah, minutes. Yeah, because I was watching Tucker. I know you watch Tucker often. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's really remarkable to me 
how these folks from other countries are, are traipsing through Mexico. They're not Mexican. They're from Guatemala, other other countries, and they come to Mexico, and they say, we need asylum in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I'm still at a loss to understand why they can't take asylum in Mexico. And the answer is because there are not enough jobs in Mexico. That's what they say. Yep. And that's the, – they have now disclosed – good pain, yeah, Right. And so they've now disclosed the fact that they're not asylum seekers. They're job seekers. Yep. I don't begrudge them. I get it. We're the greatest country in the world. We have the most opportunity for everyone in the world. So people around the world say, I want to go there. We are an immigration magnet. You know, people are not flowing into third world countries. Please let me into that underdeveloped country with a corrupt government and and, and no wealth and no resources. No, that's not what is not what is happening. People continually try to come to the United States, and I don't blame them in one slightest bit. Where I blame them is when they show up and they don't follow the rules to come here, and they try to break the law to come here. And people keep saying, it's not against the law to sneak into this country. Yes, it is. It is a criminal violation to sneak into this country. All right. The news, and then we'll pick it up. When we come back. All right, back with you here at the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got a half hour left with Robert Steinbach from over at uh, the UALR, Bowen School of Law. He's a law professor there, but always remember that his opinions are his and his alone, although the school and the university would be better off if they'd listen to him. (laughs) Um, Are you or is someone that you know suffering from eczema? Uh, it's time to start, you know, stop uh, covering up if you do, because there are clinical trials going on right now that can take care of those breakouts. I mean, I ha- I get it on my hands at times, and uh, I can't even wear a ring because under the ring, uh, my hand breaks out with little blisters and things of that nature. So with these new clinical trials going on in central Arkansas, Uh, they might be able to help reduce or relieve uh, the eczema and its symptoms. Now, qualified participants are going to receive free study-related care and compensation for their time and travel. So don't let eczema keep you hiding. Call the folks at Applied Research at 501-954-7822. Or visit them online at arcarkansas.com to apply. You can find out right there if you are uh, you know, going to be you know used in any of these studies. Again, that's 501-954-7822 or arcarkansas.com. Help could be just a click or a call away, so apply today. All right, Robert, we left, and you were making some points right off the bat about illegal immigration. Let you go ahead and pick it up from where you were at. Well, look, Dave, we've had this discussion over and over again. In in some respects, it seems like a broken record, but maybe it's not because the president said yesterday something – it was yesterday or the day before – that I think was very telling uh, as well as to watch the reaction – 
of the Democrats, uh, Nancy Pelosi and yeah, Chuck that was Schumer. yesterday. That was yesterday. Thank you. Uh, and it, it's very interesting because the president, as the New York Times uh, recognized, flipped the script. Yeah. He said, oh, you want to start blaming me for the shutdown? You got blamed last time, but guess what? I'll take the blame this time. You want me to take the blame? I'll take yeah. the blame. Because I, says Trump, and the president of the United States, and I won the presidency. And as you, uh, Chuck and Nancy, have pointed out, elections have consequences, including the presidency. Of course, that phrase came from Obama, and he was uh, said it to McCain when Obama won the presidency. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, Nancy likes to point out that elections have consequences, and the House is now uh, Democrat. But the phrase refers to winning the presidency. It's not that it's inapplicable entirely to the House, but it refers to the presidency. He won. He ran a campaign on building the wall, and he's within his right to say, given the separations of power and the structures of the U.S. government, that if I don't get real money allocated towards the wall, I will veto the bill. That's what the president is entitled to do. Now, look. The House and the Senate are entitled to say, we're not going to give you the bill you want. And and if we don't agree, obviously, funding doesn't move forward. Everybody has a role to play. But I I frankly never understood when one uh, group would not take a principled stand and say, we don't need everything that we want. We're not demanding that the Democrats agree entirely to our demands. But we ran on and won on building a wall to uh, to reduce illegal immigration and yes in fact it will have an effect yes it will sorry it has had an effect that right. he went in and he right. explained that yeah, i mean this is uh, really a wall doesn't have an effect i mean this is a kind of bonkers then why do you have a front thinking. door right exactly um, so it will have an effect and if you want to negotiate with the president the president has made clear this is his one ask you better show up with some way to address his ask. And if you don't, guess what? Then the deal's not going to go through. He's a deal maker. He'll negotiate. He'll give you DACA. Remember, DACA is for the kids that w- weren't born the in the U.S. The Republicans voted to give them right, DACA, exactly. and the Dems said no because they wanted the political capital instead of a satisfactory answer. That's right. Remember, Doc is about the kids who were brought here at a young age, so they're not American citizens. And uh, as Obama and others said, and I, this phrase I don't buy, but they said, well, they're an Americans in all way but one. Yeah, you know what? The one way that they're not American, just to be clear, I don't want to sort of make too firm a point of it, but the one way they're not American, legally. That's right. That's it. It's just they legally. They didn't get here They're not illegally. American legally. All other ways you can call them American, the same way you can call every every person a unicorn in every way but a meaningful one. Okay? <laughs> so they're, they're not American, uh, but I have sympathy, as most people do, for those kids. They didn't come here by themselves. They were brought here by their parents. They grew up here. They know America as a place that they grew up in. So I've got perfect sympathy for them. So the Democrats want to legalize those kids, and they're called the Dreamers, that, you know, one of these political names, fine, call them whatever you want, I don't care, and that's the D in DACA. So they, they want to make uh, the Dreamers essentially citizens. Fine, if that's a deal you want, let's strike a bargain. Wall for Dreamers. 
There you go. But the liberals don't want that. The liberals want a, all of it. Well, they want all of it and none of it. I'm not sure the liberals actually want to pass dreamers. Why? Because then they can't rattle their tin cup against the bars any longer. Okay, so at right? that point, they don't have a political topic. Exactly. Exactly. They can't make a bunch of noise. But let's take them at their word. Let's say they do want that. Okay. And you don't want the wall. Because all of a sudden, by the way, you're fiscally conservative and you think it's too much money to spend after you burn money. I've never seen a political group take money and stick it in a fireplace more quickly and burn it. President Obama sends a plane load of billions of dollars to the Iranians. But we're worried about a $5 billion investment in a wall for security. You don't, Fine. Let me take your word for it again as more and more challenging as that becomes, that you don't think it'll be effective. Guess what? Suck it up. You want the dreamers. The president wants the wall. Many, many Americans want the wall. Common logic suggests that a wall in part with other aspects of border security will help border security. By the way, border agents say that it will help border security. Uh, so you make the trade. If you don't want the trade, then not only the, is the president within his right to say no deal, no continuing resolution, meaning no funding of the government, we'll shut it down. He should do it. Do it. We're tired of the namby-pamby, pass-the-buck politics. We saw this from the left and the right, and the right, when it came to putting the uh, embassy in Jerusalem, yep. right? Uh, the left was, oh, no, no, we stand with Israel. We stand with Israel, even though we're a bunch of libs. Okay, good. That's one group. Then we turn to the conservatives. Oh, well, we've always been fans of Israel, you know, and the biblical connection and all that, t- and democracy. Great. So the left and right, all they were all friends of Israel. And then everybody passed the, the laws, 99 to 1 in the Senate, approving the move uh, of the embassy to Israel. And yet year after year, the Democrats and the Republicans. Crickets. Crickets. They sat on their big behinds and did absolutely nothing. For the only democracy in the Middle East, our best friend in the Middle East, and then when when Trump went to do the deal that he did, you heard, mostly Democrats, mind you, but some Republicans, well, what did we demand that? Demand out of them. Demand out of them. When Dave Ellswick invited me over his house for Thanksgiving... Because my mother just died, and I was here now in Little Rock, not with my family. He didn't say, but show up with a check for $50. (laughs) No, because guess what? Friends don't demand from another friend something in exchange for what they are uh, willing to give. You empathize empathize with your friends. Family. And Israel is part of our family. That's right. It's that simple. And guess what? You know, when, when some of the Arab countries, who some of which we have become good, close friends with, say, well, you're closer with Israel than you are with us. You know what the answer is? That's right. Now, we can come, you guys can come around and we can develop a further and closer relationship. But so far, those countries ain't there yet. All you got to do is to tell us and tell the rest of the world that Israel has a right to their own country. That's exactly right. That's all and, you got to do. Well, that and maybe, maybe have a modicum of democracy in your own country. Yeah, that's the other okay? thing. Okay? A like, bunch of dictatorships like, over there. Maybe like, if you let your women yeah, drive. Yeah. How about let a woman drive? <laughs> How about not uh, throwing gay people off the top of buildings? How about some crazy ideas like that? Okay? So, 
So, uh, you know, we are friends with Israel because we have a common value system and we are growing common value systems with other countries in that area as they move towards Western values. Oh, my gosh, Dave, I said it. Western values. You mean we can judge values? That's right. We can. That's right, we can. Equality for women. That is a Western value. It is objectively good. Not throwing gay people off of buildings. That is a Western value. It is objectively good. You want to know what another Western value is important? Yes, sir. Believes in life. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the democracy. East does not believe in that. And democracy. Yeah. And people not being ruled by unelected dictators. And you can call the dictator whatever title you want. But if he's not elected, the only alternative is he's a dictator. He may be relatively benign. He may not be. It's always a he, by the way. Yeah, ask Mugabe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ask when they're chopping off the heads and chopping off the hands. And you know what they say? Oh, but it's for the good of the country. I can't tell you how many bureau hacks in the United States I've heard say in private and public context, well, it's good for the company, it's good for the business, it's good for the organization. And you know what it almost invariably translates to? It's good for me as the lead bureau hack. And I'm tired of listening to bureau hacks tell me what's going to line their pockets make them richer often on the taxpayer's dime and they're going to stick their boot on my neck and tell me to shut up don't say my conservative values don't point out the problems that exists in academia in society in government no thank you that's why the first amendment is what that's right first and guess what's the second amendment the ability to protect the myself to have okay. the real exactly you know so i can talk about it. all right exactly. we gotta gotta get a break i'm gonna give uh time for robert to go get a i gotta go take a nap take a, a blood pressure pill exactly and we'll be we'll be back i want to talk a little bit about mr michael cohen sentenced today to three years oh but wait there's a caveat to that that a lot of people haven't been hearing we'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's finish it up with uh, Robert Steinbach today. I told him I'd bring him back at four. I have to apologize to him on the air because we got the center coming in. That's fine. And I forgot about it. I had written them That's in. Fine. I had written them in in pencil. Mm-hmm. Whenever it's somebody that by no means would anybody else be on, it's in pen. Like on every Monday in the three, four, five hours, it says, R S, you know that guy. I think I've met him once yeah. or twice. So uh, that, that uh, you know, we make sure that we know we got you. And then in the final hour, we've got Conduit News on. Yeah. For yeah. instance, that we don't meet miss them till typically. Typically on a Monday, you get a lot of special people who show up. You're not. Uh, you show up on a Monday and you go, "Who's on with him?" Oh my God, is that really true? So anyway. I'll tell you tomorrow who's going to be on Monday. There is somebody special coming Monday. Good. All right. With that said, let's talk about one last thing because the media has been going off completely nuts. And that is that Michael uh, Cohen, the former uh, person who was a lawyer for the president, who supposedly was his, quote, fixer. Fixer. All right. Whatever that means. uh, Was sentenced to three years in federal penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And... uh, now, they had been talking about 20 years in prison, but evidently 
he suddenly coughed up some grain of information that the uh, the feds were interested in, and so they worked a deal with him. See, that's the whole problem about this. And Rand Paul talked about this. He said that typically when you're talking about uh, prosecutors, they are given a crime and they go find who did it. With this, that's not, it's kind of just the opposite. It's on its head. That's right. They, they go and they think something happened, and so they go and put the squeeze on everybody to prove that it happened. That's right. And so if you look at Cohen and how many things that he said that were not true, they know it wasn't true. Uh, it's been proven it isn't true. How can you believe him on anything he would say in a court of law? Well, it just so happened today, and I, I heard this today. I've only heard it one time. I, n- nobody's really grabbed hold of this yet. He got three years, perhaps, one reporter said. And I said, perhaps. They sentenced him to three years. And the, the reporter said part of the agreement was, that's if anything else came up that he could help with, it would reduce his sentence as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this guy has lied about everything for the president and against the president. So when do you believe him and when don't you believe him? He's not a credible witness at all. But they got him like an ace in the hole, and I don't get it. Dave, let me give a teaser for when I'm going to be guest hosting for you uh, on the 31st, or yep. New Year's Eve day. Uh, I'm going to bring in a, a colleague of mine, Josh Silverstein. You've had him oh, on your show. Guy. Great guy. Smart guy. Mm-hmm. Liberal. Yeah. Liberal. And guess what he's going to come on? He's going to come on this show and detail for you and your audience why, given all of the available evidence today, there is no case for impeachment. That's this is a liberal. That's what Dirk, Dershowitz, Dershowitz of course. Say, you mean, here's what's remarkable. Smart, educated law professors who are liberals agree. Yeah. Agree. There's no basis given the available evidence. Can I say one name? Yes. Tobin. Tobin. Yeah, yeah. he's a perfect example. That's right. Because he's not a dumb man. No, that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And so these, when you get this type of agreement... But yet you hear the the fringe left, which is maybe most redundant. of it, right? It, it, it's it's <laughs> There's hard. There's not when, much of a fringe you know, anymore. I mean, the fringe is supposed to be a little bit of the edge, but that fringe <laughs> runs all the way up to the collar. Yeah, you know, it's like a it's like a, a, a dress made out of spaghetti. It's all fringe, mm-hmm. right? And so when the all fringe left constantly cries impeachment, um, they can do it, right? They can vote in the house, but a as a legal basis, there's nothing available today to support it. And B, it's most likely going to hurt them politically in I, any of it. I, I think they got two years and they're done. Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever win the House again. Yeah. Personally, yeah. that's yeah. my yeah. personal yeah. belief well, we, on this. Well, we'll see. I right? mean, if I had, how long was that cut from Maxine Waters from yesterday? Do we have time to play it? We can play it? Maxine Waters. Is it? Do we have enough time to play here? 
One thing Here you've you go. been very consistent about from almost minute one of this presidency is that President Trump should be impeached. That was when you were in the minority. In, in a few weeks, you are going to be in the majority. Uh, I don't think that you've changed your mind that the president should be impeached. My question to you is, at what point it. do you think impeachment proceedings should begin? Well, let me just say this. I do believe that the Congress of the United States of America have not assumed their responsibility that's given to us by the Constitution of the United States by way of impeachment. This president, in my estimation, has done everything possible uh, to certainly uh, be eligible for impeachment. And so I really do think that it should be started. I think there have been a couple of attempts, uh, certainly, that did not, uh, you know, win uh, support uh, because the Republicans were in charge of, uh, you know, both houses. But now I do believe that impeachment should begin. I know there are a lot of people who don't agree with me. And there are some who say that it will be too disruptive. We've got too many other things to do. I've said over and over again, we can walk and we can chew gum at the same time. We can be about the business of health care. We can be about the business of infrastructure. We can be about the business of setting this country on the right course to undo many of the things that this administration have done to literally undermine the very people uh, that they are supposed to represent. And so I think we can do it all. We cannot continue with the president who lies, uh, with Cohen who has been caught lying. Uh, the president is a criminal. The president worked with Cohen, instructed him to go and pay these women uh, to be quiet, to shut them up. The president not was just simply complicit in all of this. He's the one who initiated this with his attorney. And so this criminal must be brought up by the Congress of the United States for impeachment. And if we don't do it, we're derelict. Okay, in well, our duty. I, I don't have to hear any more news of you. I just wanted to give you yeah, an idea exactly. of what the other side is saying. Exactly. Talking fringe? Yeah. My friend, there is the big time fringe. There it is. Robert, thanks for coming Thank in. We you. appreciate it. Duck is up next. We'll talk cars here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, you're heading home, you lucky dogs. Most of us got another hour at least to work. I've been running parts all day. Have you? Duck's like, here. Like I've drove about 240 miles a day. Just get, just pick stuff up and bring it back so yep. you can get your uh, trucks out. People done. Yep. All right. Well, that's what makes you special. That's why the truckers go see you, buddy. You get them in and you get them out because you know what's wrong with them. Most of the time, sometimes you have to just start looking. I, I got one out there that from Lowe's that liked to drove them crazy before they finally found it. What was it? It, you pull up and let it set overnight, it wouldn't start the next morning. You had to go over and prime it. Okay. We chased it. We chased it. Finally found it on the back of the head. It's got a plastic pipe that comes around and catches up on top of fuel filter. Yeah. Had a rubbed a small pinhole in it. It had rubbed a little pinhole in it, and you guys found How did you find it? I mean, did you, you just keep hunting? You're up there. Pressuring the system up. You put air hose in the air tank, and I got a cap you screw on there, and it hooks air hose to it. Uh-huh. You just keep chasing it until they thought he found it one time, and it wouldn't hit. Thought he had it another time. And finally, he just so happened, he seen a drip of fuel on the ground and got up under it, started trailing it back. And just, I mean, that's about the size of a needle. 
that's one of those ones that <clears throat> take you hours to find. It yeah, will and drive a, you and crazy. And about 10 minutes to fix it. Yeah, well, that's yeah. cool, but that, that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, it's it's hard to make a customer understand you got seven, eight hours chasing it, you yeah. know. You know, and then he, you know, then he asked, "Well, how long it take to fix it?" About ten minutes. You and you know. didn't charge me all that. Well, yep. I could have been fixing some other things if I hadn't have been chasing the problem you had. Yeah, it's just hopefully a, the next one I work on, I'll not have to do this. You had to be something <laughs> different next time, and you'll be chasing again. You yeah. know, but that's just kind of all. So, speaking of the cold weather, Dave, I had one of my customers come in. Friday, Thursday afternoon, about four o'clock, in a motor home, traveling, going his, on his way home. He lives down around, I think it's Houston or somewhere down in there. Right. Had a bad injector in it. He's got a Class A motor home with a C9 Caterpillar in it. So he said, "Can you fix me?" I said, "Yeah, no problem." I said, "I can find an injector in town." So I called around, couldn't find the injector, so I ordered it. Supposed to have been in Friday. Well, guess what? It wasn't. Didn't show up. So he said, that's fine. He said, I got my car. He said, I'm going on. I'm going to Hot Springs to look around. He said, we're, we're fine. Okay. They were staying in a motel up in town. So, and it's supposed to been in yesterday. Well, guess what? Didn't show up again. No, it was supposed to been in Monday. Didn't show up. Well, yesterday, about 1030, they called me and said, hey, we have your injector in our hand. So I go pick it up, carry it back, and give it to Tim. Tim puts it in, gets it all done. I call the guy, and I said, hey, uh. Your truck, your motorhome's ready to go home. He said, "We'll pick it up tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> he showed up this morning about uh, it's about nine o'clock. I Having guess. a good time over in Hot Springs. Well, he'd been to Hot Springs. He'd been down to the Crater of Diamonds and Doug Diamonds, and yeah. He said, "Hey, I've just." He said it was broken. I just have enjoyed Did myself. Did you share with him while he was in Hot Springs? You should go to Garvin Gardens. He went there. I sent seen him there. What a great place to go at christmas time yeah we went last night oh my oh, god Oh, did you like how many people were there <sighs> we parked way out on the road really yeah huge crowds again this year they was having some kind of special deal or something i don't remember and oh okay we didn't stay in there very long i told her i said i've walked about all i want to walk yeah it's but <laughs> but what, it was what they've done out there is absolutely gorgeous they got millions and millions and millions of, of lights, lights. The only other place you can go and see that kind of light display is Branson. Yeah. you got to drive a couple hours up north. Yep. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit to you that Branson, and especially Silver Dollar City, great place to go at this time of year if you want to get in the mood. I'm just telling you. And while you're doing it, while you go up there, go to Sight and Sound and see the Christmas story yep. that they do there. My, That's really good, too. My brother was up there a couple of weeks ago, and they actually shut silver dollar city down there's too many people the maximum is twenty thousand people yeah and they shut the gate off wow they said that they was 20 can you imagine twenty thousand people in there walking around yeah i can imagine it uh i can tell you that i wouldn't want to do it <laughs> no it'd, 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 it'd make you want to pull your hair out yeah it would well it would and just to get a hot chocolate or something You'd be standing in line for oh, 35, yeah. 45 minutes. So maybe longer. One of the customers, one of my customers that uh, he heard us on the radio a couple weeks ago, he come by the shop yesterday and he's got a 2012 F 250 Ford truck with a 6.7 uh, Ford motor in it, diesel motor in it. He said, Hey, can you uh, come by my house? He, knows, he knew where I lived. I okay. live, don't live very far from him, about 
probably a half a mile, maybe a mile. And I see, I'll, I'll bring the computer and I'll come by and we'll check it. So I go over there yesterday afternoon about 4.30 and pull up, hook the scanner up to it, bump the key. Fuel pressure comes up. I say, that's got the electric pumps working. Bump the key and whirl it over. No fuel pressure. It takes like 6,000 pounds to make it start. Wow. And I, he said, I said, was you riding down the road and this thing quit? Yep. I uh, said, uh-oh. I said, well, give me a 18 millimeter wrench and I pop one of the lines off and you can shake the metal out of the line. Oh, no. He said, what caused that? I said, high pressure pump went down. He said, so what does it cost to fix it? It's about 10 grand. Hey, did you tell him to sit down first? No, I went ahead and told him standing <laughs> up. <laughs> he, he's a real man, so you could handle it, huh? But, I, you know, he looked at me. He said, you are kidding me, ain't you? I said, no, sir, I'm not kidding. I said, it's about 10 grand to fix it. And he's. And how long, how old was this truck? It's 2012. Holy Got a hundred. He, this is a kicker, Uh-oh, Dave. Here it comes. He bought it October the 8th. Ooh. And he's drove it 4,000 miles. It's got 149,500-something miles on it. Is this the guy you talked to me about a couple of weeks back that <coughs> said he when, when he's getting ready to buy it, you said make sure they change Oh, that's another guy. That's another guy. Because he ended up he got burnt too. You know, paying a whole lot of cash yeah. that he shouldn't have had to pay. You know, that's what this guy said. I just bought the thing. I ain't owned it very long. You so. got to do your due diligence on this. You okay, know, so what is it you tell people? If they're getting ready to buy a, a, a pickup like this. What should they do first? The first thing, if if you buy one, what is, say, a 2012, 2013, 2014, and it has between 130 and a hundred we'll say 120 to 150,000 miles if you're smart you will take it to me or somebody and tell them put me a high pressure pump in there that's what goes down that's what gets everything else it gets the injectors it gets the rails it gets all the lines full of metal even you got to pull the tank off of it and clean the tank out but if you catch it quick enough you can go in there and put a pump on it and it's a whole lot cheaper you'll spend about Thirty-five hundred dollars instead of ten grand. Yeah, but how about you bring it in and you say check that, and you can tell if things are ready to go sideways. And you, you can. Go, you might not want to buy this. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know I have people all the time come in there. We'll stick the scanner on it and say mm, you need to take it back and give it back to them. And a lot of them, I'll walk out front look see what kind of truck it is. I don't need to scan it. You need to take it back and give it back to them and hope you get back home in it. Wow. I mean, if you buy, like, with us, say, a 8, 9, and early 10, which has a 6.4 diesel in it, your subject's not getting back home in it. That's how bad they are there. Dave, they'll be running good one second, and you pull up to the next red light, and it's quit. Stop. Yeah, it just shuts off. And, and you know, they're just – that's why they didn't make them but two years late 08 09 and early 010 yeah well it's going to be very interesting to um you know i i like to say this because it's like if you're going to buy a used car you always take it over to a bumper bumper certified service mechanic uh or center and uh, let them give it a once over they can save you a whole lot of grief a lot of times, minutes. if if it's someone that's a, been a customer or someone that I know, 
you know pretty good i don't even charge them if it's not seventy five bucks, yeah, seventy five hundred dollars, couple tax thousand dollars is a pretty good deal. Well, at least you can go back and say, "Hey, this truck needs so and so, so and so, so and so, so and so." You're gonna have to knock some money off of it. Yeah. If you don't know that and you buy, it, you know, we'll just say you give ten thousand dollars for the truck. Then you look and you're gonna have to put another three or four thousand dollars in it. You know, you're, you know, you're way more money in it than what it should and that's what that's where this guy is this guy owes twelve thousand dollars on it and he needs to spend another 10 i'll i'll google the truck and just see what it was worth up and running it's a seventeen thousand dollar truck <coughs> yep you're on the up the downside on that one and that's why i told him i said i said if you fix it you're gonna have to drive it another couple of three years to get to get it so you can break even to get rid of it so yeah. you know and I try to explain that to people, and I tell people all the time, you know, hey, look, you know. Do your due diligence. Exactly. You know, make sure you look what you're buying. Make sure you go see one of us. I call me. You can call me anytime you want to, and we'll discuss it. But, you know, some people, they won't do it. They, You know, they just buy it anyway. And and then when they have trouble like this guy, he didn't take it to let nobody look at it. All he knew, he wanted him a diesel pickup. Right. So now look where we stand well you got a diesel pickup we're on the back side of the fence <laughs> looking at it you, got <laughs> we diesel, plant flowers in you the got bed, your <laughs> diesel pickup all right be happy yeah we can plant flowers in the bed <laughs> <laughs> all right joe's not here today he had a couple of people that were sick at his uh, uh garage he had somebody had uh, a funeral they had to attend so the bottom line he's not here today he'll be back next wednesday we'll take a break we'll come back with more it's the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you, the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, we we're always telling you that uh, getting your oil changed on time and using the correct oil. And the correct your, filter. Yeah, in your car is absolutely imperative now. So, Relodyne... Uh, a sponsor here of uh, you know Duck and, and Joe segment here on the one hundred one one FM. The answer uh, is somebody they can trust, and they're doing their business with them. So tell us a little bit about Relodyne well, now. You know we was with you know with B and M Oil for a long time, and then they sold out to to uh, uh, I can't remember the name okay. uh, McPherson. They okay. sold out to McPherson. But me and Joe discussed it, and we didn't really want to switch oil because we like what we have. I have the 15W40 for a truck oil, plus we have the Havilland and everything, and they got it in all different grades. No, that's if it's 5W20, 5.16, or whatever you got, they have it. It's good oil. It takes good care of you inside of your car. Uh, we went with Rolodyne, but we we talked to a couple of different people. We so talked to Jeffrey. What was the over. big part about Rolodyne that you ended up with them? Dave, they're kind of like bumper to bumper. They're right over by bumper to bumper. Matter of fact, they're right down the street from bumper to bumper. They got the warehouse right here. If I need something, I can stop by and pick it up. If Joe needs something, he can run over and pick it up. It makes a big difference when they're right here. You know, where if if I run out of five W thirty synthetic oil, I'm up here a couple times a day. I just go by there and pick what I want up. You know, and Mm -hmm. or if you know, I call Jeffrey. Jeffrey called me Monday. Monday, I think it was. Said, "Hey, how much oil you need? I need a hundred gallons of this." And they say, "Okay." So, but 
you know they're good people they take good care of us we went with them we discussed it me and joe so we decided you know we we like jeffrey we like his boss we like the rollerdyne company uh they just took good care of us and that's why we went with them and if i need anything they take care of us uh well our listeners are happy that you get taken care of what does it mean for them it means that they get a good quality oil we put a good filter on a vehicle and I got something to tell you. Remind me, and I'll tell you about this car that come in. Okay. Uh, we we put a good quality oil, and if and if it says it takes five W thirty, we put five W thirty in it. If it takes zero twenty, that's a full you know a synthetic blend oil. We can put that in. If you need fully synthetic, we put that in. It just makes it better for me and Joe, and it makes it a whole lot better for the customer. Customer come in get oil change and don't have to stand there and wait for us to go get oil. You know, it just and and they're good people. They take good care of us. If you have a problem, pick the phone up. We call Jeffrey. They take care. They take care of us. You know, it's kind of like bumper to bumper. You know, if we call bumper to bumper and say, "Hey, we got a problem," Jerry Roacher, he'll find somebody to get us took care of. You know, mm-hmm. it may be James, it may be Chris, and you know, may be Kenneth, it may, it may be any of them, but they will get us took care of and figure out our problem, get it straightened out. And that's and you go over to the warehouse. I, I just come from the warehouse picking up parts and i mean it's a you know it's got thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of parts you know in that warehouse mm-hmm. you know i needed a, a a set of kingpins a k102i which is kind of oddball set of kingpins i call over yeah we got four sets <laughs> so you know i go so by. you go get it you come back instead of having to wait a day or, or two, two days or three you know you get them now yeah that makes your customer happy because he gets his car or his truck back quickly yeah and you're ready to get the next customer in and get them taken care of yes sir and and it's kind of like getting a service you know if, if you got to wait 30 40 minutes for me to go get oil or something other most people's not going to do it dave and, and i'm i'm just as guilty i'm I'm not real good about about waiting. Yeah. I, I have a short fuse when it comes to waiting. In, but they take good care of us. Bumper to bumper, roller down, all of them. That we have good service out of them. But the key is, you know, if you're waiting, your customer yeah. is waiting. And you pride yourself on getting it in and then getting it back out in as fast and an expedited way as possible. Whether it's me or Joe or gary henry or henry atkins or any of them that's a that's a bumper to bumper certified center we're going to get you in as quick as we can we're going to we're going to give you a service not oil change we're yeah. going we're going to check your tires we're going to look at your brakes we're going to look at your belts we're going to look at your hoses we're going to check your wiper blades for you we're going to fill your your windshield washer fluid up in this time of year we're putting zero you know zero temperature in there and that's a big deal nowadays because you bust one of them tanks by freezing and busting uh, a lot of money now well it's just a lot just to get them put on a lot of them they're hid down behind the bumper and you got to pull the bumper and a bumper cover yeah. you know it's, it's kind of a pain to do it so but if you need to see one of us we're more than welcome to take care of you me or joe or gary henry or anybody just come by and see us we'll t- we'll take care of you yeah atkins and all of them yeah Let's yeah tom good. barkley up at yeah. up at uh, uh greenbrier if you got a problem you're up that way go by and see tom i promise you he Ooh. he'll take care of you and they know it because they voted him best uh you know service uh place uh up in that area yes sir he's good does a good job yep 
All right, we've got uh, the news coming, so when we come back, we got more to talk about. You tell us that story yeah. about the oil filter. I'll tell you why I like that uh, Joe uses bumper-to-bump parts, that two-year, 24,000-mile guarantee. Hey, comes in handy even when it's just talking about a headlight. And yes. I'll tell you about that when we come back here in just a moment. I'll be at Joe's first thing in the morning tomorrow taking care of a headlight that went out on my car that hasn't been in the car other more than maybe three months. So that's coming up. We'll take a break. Let's get to the local news and the international national news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, you hear me talk about bumper-to-bumper and their parts, and you hear me, you know, basically ballyhoo that two-year, 24,000-mile warranty they have on their parts. Now, that's parts (coughs) and labor. Anywhere in the United States. That's right. They put it on your car if it fails within a couple of years of 24,000 miles, they're going to put it back on absolutely free. Or if you use one of the bumper-to-bumper credit cards, they're going to give you three years and 36,000 miles. Well, I was driving uh, the other day, and I kept thinking, man, these lights are not very bright on this uh, Acadia any longer. And I thought maybe I was developing a, an electrical problem. Yeah. And so I'm driving, I get home, and I get out, and I go around and uh, happen to look at the headlights and the right front. You're one-eyed. Yeah, it's out. It's gone. So um, I called Joe yesterday. In fact, no, it wasn't yesterday. It was Monday. And I said, hey, do you mind if I come by uh, Thursday morning, because that's the first morning I had without a meeting or something. And I said, uh, headlights out. And he wrote back, absolutely pees me off (laughs) all right because he knew that was it's a brand new headlight so he's going to do that and while i'm there i had a a fog light go out on the left side so i'm going to have him put that one in as well so i'll have all my lights but I won't pay a dime except nope. for whatever I'm paying on the fog light. No, nope. that's bottom line, and, and the uh, thing about good that, thing to have. And think about that, Dave. If you're down there from by me, I can do the same thing for you. And, you know, we just bill it back to them. And yeah, but the good thing is, if you're in California, or we just say you're down in Texas visiting your your family down yep. there, got a lot of them, and it goes bad. You can get find, get online, find you a bumper to bumper certified center, and here's my receipt where I bought and paid for it, and you know they'll take care of you. You're going you're gonna to laugh about this. I told you the, I had a, it was the right fog light that went out. Left one works. So what I'm doing is as I'm driving right now at nighttime, <laughs> I, got, I, don't, I don't like to put on my brights and make people take a, yeah. a face full of bright lights. So I just leave it on low beam and I turn on my fog light. So I've got a regular <laughs> light on the left and i've got a fog light right on the right. right and guess what i can see far enough ahead on the side of the road now yeah. that i can see the side of the road yeah you, you can see the the line in the yeah. grass and stuff on the side yeah absolutely so now uh, tomorrow i'll get it all fixed up and yeah. we'll go from there we're right again yep we'll be we'll be known as a two-eyed man coming down yep. the road yeah i don't i hate having out having one i saw something last night duck i don't know uh, you know when you you see the state police, he's sitting on top on the side. And he's mm-hmm. kind of in the dark. I was out on four forty. I was coming coming home from work, and uh, you couldn't see him. And all of a sudden, you know his blue lights go on, and I I thought, 
Uh, he's going to get that uh, that truck that's pulling that little fold down accordion uh, camper that has no rear lights on it, right? <laughs> and I got up and I thought I was going to see that, and he had pulled some little red car over and stopped him, probably for speeding, and let that other car. You couldn't see it behind. Well, and, and just let it go. Speaking of a state trooper. I'm over at Diamond International yesterday and go in and get parts. I come out and one of my customers calls and say, "Hey, I'm gonna send you a picture. Would you look at it and tell me what you know what the leak is?" So I'm sitting there looking at the picture and didn't think to put my seatbelt back on. And I wear Uh-oh. my seatbelt regular. Uh-oh. I pull out. He's sitting up there at the corner. I go by. He pulls me over. <laughs> he walks up there and he said, um, "Can you tell me why you're not wearing your seatbelt?" I look down like I thought I had it on. Yeah. And I said, I said, man, I'll wear it. He said, oh, I know. I see you up here all the time. I said, yeah, I wear my seatbelt. But I got a ticket for no seatbelt yesterday. Oh, she didn't even cut you any slack. He says, no slack. Right now, they're on a campaign to ride tickets for no seatbelts. And you know why, right? Yeah, it's Christmas and the end of the year. Well, it's that. And it's also, they write so many tickets, the government gives them X amount of money. Extra. He, I said, how much is this? He said, I don't know. You have to call that number. Yeah, it's over 100 bucks. But you know, I thought yes. Yeah, so. I'll tell you that right now. It's over a hundred dollars for not looking up. <laughs> yeah, but the happened. worst part, Dave, is he sees he sees me out there all the time around Diamond picking up parts, mm-hmm. and I always wear my seatbelt. You know, I'm I'm trying to talk to a customer and get a customer out of the middle of the road that's got a fuel leak. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I I show him the picture. I said, here's what I'm looking at. Right. He, he said, don't matter. I'm writing tickets. But I can ride a motorcycle down the interstate without a helmet, without seatbelts, and it's cool. Yeah, I agree. It's just the reason that we are wearing seatbelts is very simple. The legislature sold their souls for some extra money from the government. Yep. This was during the BB administration, its last year or two. And they said if the, it used to be if they pulled you over for a seatbelt violation there was no ticketing of yeah. it you were just warned about it and they didn't pull people over very often let's put it that way and the government said we got i think it was 900 million dollars we got 900 million dollars or 90 million that will come here to the state if you make it a ticketable offense and so they told everybody that they were doing this for their safety mm-hmm when when they did it, it for money so they could get the money uh so that they could ticket you so just know that's how that ended but, up but it ought to be my right it ought to be my right if i, I don't wear disagree. it fine i, I wear mine with you. i mean I, I it ain't that I, I wear mine but you know when you're trying to get a customer out of the middle of the road this this got a gravel truck and it's broke down you know if if somebody runs into the back of his gravel truck, then they're going to be wanting to sue him. Yeah, you know, and I'm tr- I'm trying to get him off the road and get it. And the guy didn't want to hear none of that. Oh no, he was just ready. Was it a state trooper? <clears throat> this state trooper. Oh yeah. Why was they were he'll, he'll probably never see you again. Oh no, I see him. I seen him today. Yeah, but you didn't stop to talk to him, did you? No, but he had one pulled over. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Almost okay. in the same spot. Yep, he's wa- that's all he's watching for. That's all he said. That's all I'm doing is writing seatbelt tickets. That's crazy. That. Why don't they go out on the roads and write tickets for people driving in the left-hand lane in at 50 mile an hour and camping out? 
Yeah. Because that's against the law. Yes. That's impeding traffic. Yep. And, but, you know, I just... Oh, here Unless, of course, you're in a 50-mile-an-hour construction zone, then you can do 250 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> but I'm just saying, they never ticket people for that. I've never seen... I've seen cop cars behind cars that are going slower and yep. never flip on their lights. Yep. Never, ever flip on well, their lights. that's like going down 30. The two, the 18 wheelers supposed to use the two outside lanes. Yeah. But you'll see them in the middle lane all three of them running together got oh, traffic all messed oh, up oh yeah oh yeah but you know i just thanked the guy and told him thank you i appreciate it and we drove off and we went down the road he was behind me and about oh about a half mile down the road he pulled another one over when i went by i looked and she didn't have no seatbelt on but you know that's fine you know that's that's okay no right. it cost in the long run i right, got a caller for you we got tony who wants to talk to you Hey, Tony, how are you? Uh, doing good, guys. Y'all are, uh, you just hit on two of my pet peeves. <laughs> All right. What, what's your pet peeves? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I, I, that's not my question, but the the whole seatbelt deal, that's that's a, a bunch of crock. But anyway. Well, sure, but uh, it's a way for the state to get $90 million. Uh, yes, it is. All right. So, so what do you got? So anyway, uh, I saw on the Internet, and yes, I understand it's the Internet, uh, that people were recommending putting sea foam in your oil to to clean out your crankcase. And actually, I went to Sea Foam's website, and sure enough, they're saying, you know, you can add it to your oil, and it'll help clean it out. Have y'all had any experience with that? Well, let me tell you what it's going to do. If it's if you got a motor that's got 100,000 miles or 150,000 miles, you pour it sea foam in it, and I'm a big fan of sea foam. But yeah, I'm a big fan of sea foam in gasoline or, in, or or run it in a diesel tank. Is where right. If you pour it in the motor and it cuts all that sludge loose, guess where it's going? To the oil pan. Guess what? It's going to stop up the strainer. Gotcha. And then you're going to be putting the motor in it. Okay. Well, I mean, that's why I was asking. Yeah, sea foam. Sea foam. Sea foam's great. In your in your fuel tank or in your gasoline tank, it's great for that. But as far as putting it in a motor, unless you're going to pull a pan and clean it once you drive it a little bit, get, let all that stuff get down there, pull the oil pan off, clean it, clean the strainer, and put it back on, then you'll be fine. Yeah, well, you gotcha. could do that and then give a call to, to Duck or you're out in where, Conway? Yeah. Yeah, if you call uh, Mike up there, Mike Blakely up there in Greenbrier, go yeah. up there, he'll pull off. Uh, the oil pan and but clean it all up for you myself well, i don't recommend it right what well what they were saying is you know to put it in there and run it you know 50, 50 miles and then yeah. you know, do your oil change mm-hmm. uh, i had never heard that so yeah you know uh, the motors nowadays they run so clean i've i've got one out there right now that's got four hundred thousand miles on it and they pulled the valve covers off putting head gasket on it they run it hot and got blown head it's clean as a pen inside. Gotcha. And that's due to the fuel injection system that runs so clean. And it's a lot of due to the oil, too, that we use. You yep. know, if you use a good grade of oil, you know, we use Haviland through Rolodyne. And if you use a good grade of oil, you don't have that problem. You don't have to clean them. If you use, and, you, and you service it, you don't ever have to have that problem. Okay, so I got, yeah. I got another question for you before we let you go. Okay. Are you ready for Christmas? I'm ready, man. <laughs> All right. I love, I love Christmas. <laughs> I love It's my favorite time of the year. 
Man, I start the Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. All right. You don't start it, don't start it before. Yeah, yeah, you might get shot you do that. I don't know. They was playing it in the shop way before Thanksgiving. That's uh, what I asked them. Guys, Thanksgiving ain't even here yet. Y'all already listening to that? Oh, yeah, we're listening to it. All right. Okay, I just shook my head and walked off. Well, Tony, you have a Merry Christmas you too, and a Happy Tony. New Year. Y'all too. Thanks right, for calling. Now. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah he's, he's right. It is a... Uh, a bone of contention uh, as far as I'm concerned about seatbelts. Yeah, it is. You, you know. I'll take my the responsibility for myself. Mm-hmm. Me too. You know, now my kids, if you want to you wanna hit me with a fine because I don't have my kid in, okay. But, but you go down the road, like I was coming up, up 440 today and there was a lady in a car. Kids was crawling from the back seat to the front seat, from the front seat to the back seat. Against the law. In in somebody and she hit somebody in the back end or in the side that kid's going through the windshield then guess who's going to get blamed for it you know Mm -hmm. uh you know i can understand writing tickets for kids my granddaughter when she was eight nine years old we get in the truck and and if i didn't put my seatbelt on the first thing out of her mouth papa you like riding with me (laughs) and i'd look at her and say huh you like riding with me put on your seatbelt and she'd say you didn't click papa okay you know but and from that from then on i i 99.9 of the time i put my seatbelt on I, you know but I'll, i i will tell everybody that i'm not a big person on uh, child restraining seats i'm not part of that there were very there's <clears throat> you look at how many kids die in car wrecks because of that it is negligible mm-hmm. and the only reason it became law is because of the helicopter people who say you got to do it because it just might happen, and the others uh, that are having you do it because they know they can write you a ticket. Yep, that's right, and that's a big ticket. Yes, sir, that's a big ticket. All right, we'll come back. We'll finish it up for today. You got a question? Eight two three oh nine six five eight two three oh nine six five. It's the Dave Ellswick show right here at one hundred one point one FM. The answer. Don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage. Another place that I frequent a lot, and I was just talking to R.D., the owner, yesterday, and I had him on the lookout for my Acadia. I got a 2010, as you know, and uh, I just learned that that little thing that looks like a shark's, you know, dorsal fin not only controls your satellite radio, but your regular radio, and so I needed that, and he's been looking, and he found one. And it, yeah, car wash got it. Forty dollars, what it cost me. That's all it cost me. Forty bucks. I'll be take. I, I, in fact, I can read you the the text I sent Joe. I said by the end of the the year, about the twenty eighth, I'll come over and let you guys put that on there because I've been, you know, complaining because I can't get and listen to myself as I'm driving home early on Thursdays because we replay my interview with J.R. Davis. But I can't hear it because I can't pick it up good enough. I had a bad antenna, didn't Yeah, you? I thought the antenna was the mesh on my windshield. my windshield when I found that out is that if you have automatic windshield wipers, it, it that's what tells your car that you got it's rain raining. on it. Yep. And it would turn them on. So anyway, long story short, uh, if you need it part, doesn't matter if it's a big part, like I just put a transmission in my Acadia, or a small part. Like, I'm just going to put that... Uh, I bought a motor from him last week. It, did you? I mean, you can get it all over there at Sunny's Auto Salvage, and you can get a really good warranty, like three years 
parts, labor, and unlimited mileage. You can get that from over at Sunny's Auto Salvage. It's your number one choice for recycled auto parts. All right, we've got just a few moments left. I want Duck tell you a story about a guy that went and bought, had his son say, I got a problem with my Jeep, Dad. Yeah. One of my customers called me, and he's got an 01 Jeep Cherokee, the little square box one that's got the four-liter inline six-under in it. Okay. He called me and said, hey, when I, my son pulls up to a red light, my oil light comes on. And I said, you know, this guy's got a little bit of mechanical ability. And I said, I said, David, you sure it's it's low oil pressure, not just a senior? He said, no, I got a manual gauge on it. It is low oil pressure. So we were discussing about this and that and other. And I said, when's the last time you changed oil? And he said, well, they had it changed about a month ago. I said, when did this problem start? Oh, about two weeks ago. I said, go buy you a good Wix filter. Go to bumper to bumper, buy you a good Wix filter. Get you six quarts of good oil and go home and change oil in it. And let's try it and see. So he called me the next day and he said, you ain't going to believe this. And I said, what? I said, that cured your problem, didn't it? He said, I got good oil pressure. I got 18 pounds idling. 15 18, 18 pounds is normal. So I'm running down the road, 45 to 50 pounds. He said, explain to me what. Yeah, how'd you know that? That's exactly. He said, explain to me how how you. I said, well, Dave, this ain't the first time I've ever run up on that. And, <laughs> and I said, the problem was the oil filter that you bought was probably one of them $2 oil filters. It didn't have enough plates in it, and it stopped it up real and quick. And you said, where did you get your, your, where did you get your oil done? And I asked him, and he told me, and I don't really want to say because no, it's, to say. it's a big corporation. But he said, I learned me a lesson. It won't ever happen again. I said, you can go, but make sure they put a good oil filter on it. Don't buy. You know, when you go get a 1995 oil change. You get the cheapest stuff possible. You're getting the cheapest oil they can find because my oil would just say ten W forty oil is like four seventy seven a quart for the good oil, right? You know, and if you take five or six quarts, it's hard to at twenty dollars to come out ahead. You know, so they have to get the cheapest oil they can get, or rely on selling you something else when you're in there. And a lot of them, that's what they rely on selling you something else. But this guy was tickled to death. He needed a heater core in it, but we, I told him, I said, let's get this problem cured before we put a heater core in it. So he's coming in in the morning. We'll put a heater core in it and put him back out riding again. But but just having a, a a wrong oil filter on a vehicle can cause you many problems, Dave. Many many problems. You know, it could have burnt the motor up by yeah, not sure. having enough oil pressure. And what it does in the oil filter base, it has a bypass. And when that filter gets stops up, it opens it up because the pressure's too high. It dumps all the oil through the bypass, and it's not going through the filter filtering it because the filter stopped up and won't hold nothing else. Oh, that's not good. No. Well, unfiltered all oil. All that crap in yeah. the oil is going right back into your engine. Yes, again. sir. You know, and, and, and so, you know, he's a – so now he's a big believer. He said, I'll make sure I buy me a Wix filter from bumper to bumper next time when i need one okay so but you know and but it was it could have been very expensive you know if he went somewhere and you know not somebody not asked him or him not you know asked somebody you know it, it could have been a three or four thousand dollars and and there again the jeep ain't worth three or four thousand dollars you know yeah it could have it could literally because of that overheat it and you'd be looking at a new head gasket or a new motor yeah or a completely out, new a poke, poke rod outside the block Ooh. then he asked me he said well how much is it to put a heater core in this jeep 
And I said, well, I said, they hang that heater core on a string and build deep around it. That's right. It's 7.9 hours to put a heater core in it. Wow. And it'll take Tim about six hours to do it. it it's a pretty good look. you got to drain the AC and everything out. God. To do it. That's crazy. So then you're going to have to figure what else you're going to do when you got the dash pulled out because you want to go ahead and get it's going it to get evaporated core wise in there. Yeah, you want to get it all done. Yep, Duck. Thanks for coming thanks, by. Dave. We'll Appreciate do it again you. on Wednesday. All right, all right. Let's take a break. We will come back. We got the folks from the center coming on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show, and we are, as I said today, approaching uh, Christmas. Thirteen days. Yes. Coming fast. Yeah, I, I was I'm good at this twelve plus thirteen. I got a high school <laughs> diploma. Twenty five days. twenty uh, fifth will be Christmas and then we'll have New Year's as well, and that's not that far uh, away either. However, for a lot of us, as much as we look forward to the holidays, there is I'll say it's a minority, but they feel a lot of pain during this time of year in fact our our preacher was mentioning it uh, this last weekend uh, at uh, new life church out in cabot and uh, crystal and buster lackey are with us today over at the center and i've asked them to come in and i saw them earlier today they were getting some of their uh, holiday shows ready to go yes putting all the information together for those believe it or not you got to do that kind of stuff because radio never goes off the air. It keeps on running. So with, with that in mind, they, they recorded their shows because they, they may not be even in the area at that time. But the bottom line is this. There are some people through something has happened. Perhaps um, it's a divorce. Maybe it's a death. Perhaps it's just something where, you know, during their childhood, Christmas wasn't a fun time. Mm-hmm. Christmas just reminds them of when, as a kid, their family was struggling and everybody else had presents under the tree, but their family didn't. Uh, There's all kinds of different reasons. So I've asked Crystal and and Buster to come on in and talk with me and talk about some of the uh, problems that people have. You probably have heard more than stories than I have and talked to people who are in depressive episodes because of this. Absolutely. And Buster, you're the you're the man who works with the people of the mind. That's mm-hmm. right. That's so right. let let you know your wife works on the body. You work on the yep. mind, but the the bot working the body can help the mind too. So we're going to bring her in on this right. as well. Absolutely. So let, let's just start with you though. How many people you don't see them all year long, but you get towards this time of year. When uh, it's supposed to be a jolly time, you're supposed mm-hmm. to put on a happy face, you're supposed to be enjoying it, and you're doing everything but enjoying it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that, that what you just described, that's their, that's their life. At whatever's happened in their, in their life, there's an event that's happened, and it's just, it's a black time, a season. It's, it's, not, it's not fun. They don't want to, they isolate. They don't want to get out. They don't go to parties. They don't want to hear a Christmas carol. Uh, you know anything like that and it's it, it is more than what you think people are good about faking to get through the day to get back home mm-hmm. and then when they get home they isolate okay yeah they don't want to they don't they don't answer the phones they don't they're not on facebook you know they're not doing anything that 
I guess, the norm would do. <clears throat> their life is to get back in their safety of their home. So the people that come see you and sit down and talk to you, do they come and say something like, you got to help me get past this? Do they say that, or do they say, man, I'm just – I'm bleak during this time of the year. What do I have to do? Uh, both, actually. And then I have some that come in, and they go, I don't know what's wrong with me. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's – you know, you know, they're already decorating their Christmas trees or whatever, the, and I can't even seem to go get the box of ornaments out of the, you know, the closet. Yeah. You know, and uh, – it is depression really takes over, and people don't even realize it. There is a there's this uh, you know you can you can go through life and be depressed and not even realize it until something happens or you get to this holiday because it becomes so normal. It's normal, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just part of their life. They just they have accepted this is how it's going to be. This is who I am, and they don't have to be that way. Uh, there, you know, a couple of weeks ago we did a show on on helping overcome anxiety and depression and it was just it's a simple you know there's so many things there's medications there's working out there's getting our brain moving getting it hydrated with lots of water and uh help to trigger a happy feeling in our brain mm-hmm. and then I, I, I say this all the time everybody needs to have a counselor on, on their speed dial Somebody they can go and talk to outside of their circle because, you know, you know, everybody's got advice for you. You need to. You should. If I was you, I would do this. Well, you're not. Right. You're not that person. You're not. You're not feeling what that person's feeling. No. And you really need to go talk to somebody. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing taboo about talking to a counselor. Except that society, it's society tells, tells, you tells you that it's, it's a problem. You know, everybody needs a friend that's a counselor, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where – we listen to society, and that's where we get in trouble because society will, will lead us down the wrong path. Okay. And I think, you know, especially between, you know, what did you say, 13 days of Christmas? Mm-hmm. You know, that sends a little panic in me because now i got a 13 days to buy a gift for my yes. wife, but it's okay. <laughs> go, see, go see Eric Coleman at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. He'll take good care of you. Yeah, I'm sure he will. <laughs> uh, you know, see, one in – one in a private college and one in private school, and you know, I'm sure they'll have to wait a couple of years. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I might get depressed here in Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got what you're saying, and, and that can be a cause of depression because we it, yeah. all have. I won't say all. That's too broad of a brush, but I do believe it's the majority of people have a Norman, not you know, Rockwell kind of view of what Christmas is supposed to be, mm-hmm. and our Christmases can never. Right. Be that. Mm-hmm. Well, we and, and, overspend at Christmas. Yeah. You know, we try to overcompensate with our, for our children for things that we didn't give them or they didn't get. Or And you talked about earlier, you said maybe you're going through a divorce. Yeah. What is typical is we overcompensate those children because we're trying to buy their pain away. Yeah. And that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the parents. It's not good for the child because – we're we're not teaching them proper ways to cope and deal with their their stress and their their problems. Well, that, that's you, you open a topic that I may be totally wrong. All right, but from a Christian worldview, 
unless your partner has taken a shot and missed you or is beating the hell out of you or you know mentally abusing you there's no reason for divorce yeah you know there's a it, nowadays you used to if you got a divorce i mean it was a a, a big ordeal yeah mm-hmm. no that, fault wasn't in it that's right and that's exactly where i'm going now you don't have to have a reason I don't like the way you put the toilet paper on the toilet paper dispenser. I mean, I actually have had a case where that was one of the reasons they're getting divorced. He wanted it one way and he wanted it the other way. Uh, Just take the thing off and put it on the windowsill. That's what we do. (laughs) I mean, it's not a big deal. sit it on the back of the toilet. Yeah, it's not a big deal. But people actually get divorced over this stuff. And it's no fault. So, And then you get mad because you don't get your way during the divorce and it all spirals down. Actually, I read a report. At one point, they said that fifty percent of all marriages get divorced. Well, now it's actually a third. We're actually going to decline. Well, that's good. Divorces. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, because people are willing to try to work things out, get proper counseling, and and we believe, obviously, uh, in a Christian worldview, and and I, I, I approach counseling in a Christian worldview. Right. Divorce is not acceptable in our in our we don't even talk about it right you know if i get mad and i get and she's like you know you're fixing to say something you're going to regret well i'll back down it's, real quick because i know it's, it's not an option in our house it's not an option right mm-hmm. yeah I mean, don't say that word to me yeah mm-hmm. because if you say it then you're allowing it to be acceptable in your house there you go mm-hmm. and we just don't even use that word right you know and i'm not saying we don't we don't get into fusses and things but we don't go that level Hey, mm-hmm. We get in fights at my house sometimes, yeah, well. but I'll tell you this: that never pops up. Right? No. The the, the idea that would just look. I look at it this way: I got twenty eight years in my marriage. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than probably what she can ever do to make me say that's it, no more. I'm through. I'm finished with this. I don't want to do that. Number one, I don't want to feel like a loser. Well, I will feel that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's another thing. We we try real hard not to use terminal language. I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's over. I'll never. Because I'm bad about saying, okay, well, I'll never do that again. No, that's a uh-huh. lie because I'm going to do it tomorrow. Yeah, you're human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we work on not using that terminal language because it's just it's, it's frivolous words. You don't mean it. Right. It's a, and it's always a work in progress. You know, it's always a work in progress. You know, as far as um, I will, I will say this. I have I've noticed uh, since Christmas is getting closer, uh-huh. the calls from from couples oh, yeah. have oh, have yes. definitely increased, um, and and a lot of people calling in um, and saying, "Hey, it's an emergency because because of all the stress, the added stress." Um, and you know why it mm-hmm. is? It's because on Christmas Eve when I was a kid. Uh-huh. We only opened the presents that family members were giving each other. And then on Christmas morning, Santa Claus had come. Uh-huh. And those, and those they weren't to be unwrapped. They were unwrapped. They were all constructed and ready mm-hmm. to be played with. Yes. Right. And they don't believe we should do it that way. Yeah. That causes a lot of problems. I, I've oh, yeah. Had it, I've seen it happen to people. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're just in a whole different time right now. I'm loving this right now. I mean, this pretty much free form of what we're talking about. One mm-hmm. thing's leading to another. But it's all 
very real life things that are happening for people. There's people listening right now that what I just said and what you said mm-hmm. just made all the sense in the world to them. Right. And it's those little things. Very rarely, you know, when we have people come in, do we hear about, you know, these earth shattering things. It's it's the day, it's it's the toilet paper and, you know, um how do we how do we do Christmas? And it's the it's those things that my wife always says about me because I if I go off I'm like Mount Vesuvius. Mm-hmm. Now after I've blown up, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. People freak out about that. I'm done. I, okay. Now we've we've talked about it. Our anger, all of us have shared it. Okay, it's done. Let's go on. And hey, what board game you want to play? You know. But I'm just saying that for me, it's if there's a bunch of little things. Mm-hmm. I can get big things happen to me in my life. And I can handle that better than if I get one, two, three, four little things in a row. And it it's just the little ma- foxes that oh spoil my the vine. Gosh, I can really go off hard. And, you know, and I feel sorry for the person who does the fifth small thing. Yep. That's my last nerve. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Do you hear that a lot? I hear that all the time. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, how we, how we deal with things. Um, and usually in a couple, one person deals with things one way and the other person will deal with things in a very different way. And so the things that make us complement each other sometimes are the things that kind of grate against each other. And, you know. <laughs> she thinks everything out. Mm-hmm. Everything. We had to put it on paper. We have lists. Right. There's lots of thoughts. Logic. Yeah. You know, so when you tell me, hey, we're going we're to do this, I see the end result immediately. And now it's just putting things in place and take off. Right. And if it doesn't work, okay, well, we'll back up and we'll punt. It's okay. We'll figure this out. A lot of couples can't do that because they get so involved in all the details and it didn't go just the way they planned it. And then – they butt heads, and next thing you know, they're in my office trying to figure out a major crisis here. Well, and that brings us back to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we'll talk more about it when we come back with uh, Crystal and uh, Buster Lackey from the center. Uh, Crystal, tell my listeners where you all are located at. We are located at 3801 JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. It's the former Park Hill Elementary. It is now called the Park Hill Town Center. Okay. And your phone number? Is 501-712-4333. Everybody needs somebody to talk to once in a while. All right. Don't forget about uh, my friends over at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. You know, I talk about Gary a lot. He's the one who started. He's the patriarch of the organization. And he's the man working with NASA who developed an articulating knee for a prosthetic. Uh, So I always call him the godfather. I I kid him all the time when I see him. I call him the godfather of of modern-day prosthetics. A lot of you don't realize that there was a time, uh, you've heard the old term of peg leg, and people would have a wooden like peg that they walked with if they had a a, a leg that was messed up or had been amputated. Then they came up with a prosthetic that you could wear, and it looked like a regular leg, except it didn't bend like a regular leg. And so uh, when you walked, uh, you walked with a stiff leg, 
then when you sat down, you'd reach over at where the knee would be and you would unleash uh, the leg so that it would bend. Um, that's not been that long ago, about 15 years ago. Well, uh, Gary and folks from uh, NASA worked together, and so he's the man that's responsible for pe- walking around and bending your leg like it's got a regular knee. He's the guy who 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 came up with that. It's really cool to talk to him because he's got other ideas that he's he's working on that if they become reality, it's going to be pretty doggone cool. Anyway, uh, they're, they're finishing up with their uh, demo and addition. They're doing at 12th Street. That's where they started the business back in the middle 80s. And uh, now they've spread out to North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. With Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, they provide a lifetime of support. And uh, and Gary Horton, uh, he prides himself on the patient relationships that they have at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. You know, I'm really glad that we have those rejoiners because there are times that I forgot who I was. And so that reminds me... You are Dave Ellswick. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I've tried to forget who you are. Yeah, you try to forget who I am all the time. I got gotcha. you. All right. but uh, well, That's a whole other issue for memory care. We got, yeah. <laughs> Inside the studio with me is Crystal and, and Buster Lackey. They are with the, the, the center. He does the mind side. She does the body side. That's right. That's yes. what they just told me today. Uh, and they work from a Christian Judeo, you know, a, a, a Judeo-Christian worldview, which is where I work my worldview from as well. And most of you know that. But let's talk more about you know when people come in to you because we stopped just a moment ago about small things building up to big things. Mm-hmm. And all through that fifteen minutes that we talked, we talked about big things that had happened to people: divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about maybe a death, maybe uh, things that happened in your youth or whatever, or maybe you can't even remember why it's the way it is because it's always been that way That's in right. your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely, but a lot of times it's just a lot of small things, and it makes the you know it takes that whole Norman Rockwell, and I think that's one of the biggest things. Everybody wants it to be perfect. Kids right. are supposed yeah. to obey. You're supposed to get along with their siblings. You're supposed to be getting along with your wife, your wayward son who comes back this Christmas and wants to know why you didn't give him a couple hundred bucks. You know, all of that. And it, it I don't ever remember a Norman Rockwell Christmas. My mother tried to do it just in making the house look like it. Guilty. No, I, I don't. <laughs> okay, are you that way? Okay. I, I, I'm. I, I'm guilty in the in the decorating department. Yeah, I think we have three trees right now. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. See, we have one in the foyer, one in the the family room, and then we'll have the big one that we'll put up this weekend. And uh, we have more in the than bay window. Three. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. She's oh, we got. Oh, we have, we have we have one upstairs in our bedroom. I forgot. Well, I got. About 15 seconds, and we got to go to the news, and then we'll come back and okay. talk some more. But uh, Ed McMahon, mm-hmm. he had one room all year long was Christmas. Oh, wow. Because he said he could always walk in there and find joy. We'll be back with more in just a moment. I just taught uh, Crystal and uh, Buster a 
thing about setting up the next segment. <laughs> I was telling a story, and I got to stop, so I come back and do my thing here. As far as it, did I call you the right name? Yeah. Okay. See, now I'm thinking the other name that I thought you're supposed to be called is the right name, and I knew it's a wrong name. I'll answer to anything. No, just don't be, <laughs> don't call me late for supper. That's right. right. That's, the way, exactly always, right. that's the way it always. That's the way it always works. Okay, so let me come back and and pick up with you now. We've talked about a lot of different things. A lot of people, do they realize that they got a problem and that you can help them with it, or do they try to deny it and now, just try to get by it? Yeah, denial is huge. Okay. That you would put off going to a counselor until the very last day. I mean, people is telling you to go see a counselor. Your pastor's telling you to go see a counselor. They're making you an appointment, but they are they will deny it until – they are face down in their own pity, and it's like, okay, I've got to do something. I'm at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I get a, I'll get a, a person that calls, and they'll say, my boss has told me if I don't come get help, then we're going to have to talk about my job assignment mm. because it's affecting customer service or whatever. Right, you know? right. And a lot of them, they just don't realize it because I, I think we said earlier, it's just a normal way of life for them now. They're just so used to feeling this way the hurt or the shame or whatever they're feeling that's keeping them down. And God did not create us to be beaten down. No. He created us to be victorious. And that's what I, I, I try to instill on in people that this is just this is a season you're going through. We can get you through this. And we will get you through it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna we gotta work on it. Right. And it's like a big onion. You just keep peeling back the layers until you get to the bottom of it or to the middle of until it. Until you know? find your real rotten part that, That's right. that you got to deal with. Just carve it out and then move on. Do you do you find that you get to that point and somebody thinks that it's so painful they don't want to deal with it? Uh, sometimes. Not often. Okay. Because once people come in and they, they kind of get this idea of, I have a I have a I have a counselor. I have someone that I can talk to. I have someone I can call. And we I, you know, we operate our business a little bit different than most. You know, you'll have my cell phone number. You call me 24/7. We're we're there. Um we want to help you. We and then when you find that you've got somebody that really cares. Uh whatever you're going through, I want to go through with you to help you process through this and get to the other end, get to that sunny day or whatever you're looking for. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. And I love to see people come in that's, you know, I, broken, I guess. Yeah. And then when they, you know, three or four months later, they walk out of my office and it's like, I'll call you when I need you next time. Instead of saying, I got to have another appointment. That's the beauty of what we do. I, you know, I want to be able to lay my head down at night and go to sleep and not worry about that I'm taking advantage of somebody by just saying another appointment, another appointment, another appointment. If we're not seeing movement, then we got to figure out what's going on, and we got to back up. Sometimes people don't want to work on their problems. They like the idea of coming and talking or having somewhere to go, but they don't want to work on anything. You're, you're wasting time. You're wasting a lot of precious time for you and me, and we want to, we want to process. We want to move. Now, is there some people that just love to live in a perpetual pity party? Absolutely. Yeah, we all know those people. You've got somebody, I'm sure, that you can think of right now. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you 
you see them at church or wherever, and it's kind of like, uh, let's go down this, this hall because so-and-so's coming down this. Mm-hmm. You, know. you, you don't, and you don't want to be sucked into that and dragged down. They're downers. Matter of fact, our pastor preached a sermon on this this past Sunday about the down, downer. You yeah, know. Downy, downer Susie. Yeah, always. Just, <laughs> you know, no matter how, how, how high you are on the mountain, they're going to suck you back down because they're, they've got it worse or one-upper or whatever, you know. And I think that's where, and that's where people really need help. Okay. So, Crystal. Yes. Let's go. Let's come over to your side now. All right. You run into the same people he runs into. In fact, he may pass somebody on to you, and you may pass somebody Abs- on to him. Absolutely, because things do. Um, you know, one of one of our the premises that we work under is, you know, it's you you are you're a whole being, and it's it's the like our, we have a show mind body soul, and mm-hmm. it's because everything affects everything. You know, things that are going on in your mind and your emotions affect your body and vice versa. So um, so he may see someone and then and then I see them, you know, for some, you know, physical pain and things like that. Or I may see someone and then realize, hey, they need a referral over to Buster. Okay. Mm -hmm. Vice versa, because they may come into me. And I'm talking with them, and, they're, and then they're talking about their hips or shoulder or whatever this chronic pain they've been having. And I know immediately we can fix that, and you can go over to see Crystal and fix, and you have a more productive life. I heard about a person just like that the last time Crystal was on. She brought in uh, one oh, of your all's yes. patients mm-hmm. that couldn't hardly walk. Yes, and, and she's a great success story. She's doing fantastic mm-hmm. now. And, and we have permission to share this, but Janice started off with me. And then working through depression and just life, like you said earlier, just a lot of little things that built up over life. Mm-hmm. It, and then one day I, we was talking, and I said, you know, she's talking about being in pain, and she couldn't. I think it was her knees, maybe I can't remember now. But and we got her into see. She was kind of hesitant, you know. Oh no, not another doctor. One more visit because it had been it had been yeah. twenty years. Yeah, but now she's walking up and down stairs where before you would have never caught her on a stair, and she the medical building she works in is 14 or 15 stories and she's up on the higher end and she yeah. walks those stairs now good for her plus she's able to function at a healthy uh you know in a, in a healthy environment because she's feeling better she's not she's not as depressed um through i mean through proper medication and then counseling and physical therapy she's gained the quality of life that she wants to have and she can go and do instead of isolate herself in that apartment yeah, and she talked about being isolated in that apartment. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of a living hell for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we were kind of talking a little bit about depression, you know, a little bit ago. And, you know, and one of the things with depression, especially this time of the year, you know, we have seasonal affective disorder. And 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 one of the things that um that I work with people on is is getting that movement. Um and of course, I really encourage a lot of movement outside because that changes uh changes your brain chemistry it changes what's going on in your body and you know i mean you don't want to be stuck literally okay so do you deal with diet as well um we do we actually deal with diet um it's important i mean i have amy beard on here all the Mm -hmm. time it's very obvious and so um so we deal with diet from the standpoint of what you put in your body 
affects your pain. Um, it affects, you know, your musculature. It, mm-hmm. it, it affects all of those things. So the things that you put in your mouth, the things that you put in your body um, are either going to help you to live a more productive life or they're going to hinder you. And so we, we definitely do work with those things. Yeah, well, if you want to see diet work positive things, just hand me a big old plate of homemade chocolate chip cookies. I have a great recipe and for some I, paleo ones. And I do really good. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even worried. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't go there. I know they're not the best things for uh-huh. me, but I don't care. I love them. You know? And I make them myself. Yes. I use the old Toll House recipe. Hey, I would rather see someone make them themselves any day of the week. <laughs> love doing that. All right, let's take our final break. And then when we come back, let's... Uh, you think you can give some uh, heads up to folks out there that are suffering with some of this and what they should be starting to do, Buster? Sure, we can. I call we you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about all of that when we come back. Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. It's the answer. Kids. Okay, back with you. I just said grease in the slids instead <laughs> of saying grease the skids. Yeah, but, but we knew what you meant. So yeah, that's, that's the key. It's like, you know, when a bunch of drunks get together. <laughs> And the person who's sober can't figure out what the heck they're talking about. And the drunks, they know exactly what they're saying to each other. We can help the drunks, too. Now, I can say that because I used to be like that. I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> Sometimes now I can't remember what my name is. That's a problem. All right, so, Buster, you talk to the people out there that are suffering. I mean, whether it be, again, because of divorce or death or, you know, Emnity um, amongst the family members. You, you talk about that and talk about how to deal with some of that. I mean, it, everything's so specific for every person that maybe you can't give generic things. You know, you can't because every situation is different. Everybody's different. You and I, even though we got some similarities in our beliefs and our, our backgrounds, we won't look at everything the same. No, I can agree with that. You know, you know, I, I don't hold grudges. I don't. I don't either. You can Except with Russ. (laughs) 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 Poor Russ. Just kidding. But, you know, you can – really, over the years, I've – I mean, I've been treated bad and and not very nice in ways. But you know what? That person called me tomorrow, I'll still help them. Sure. That's the way God wants us to be. That's exactly right. But not everybody can do that. We hold grudges, and I think that we have – Sometimes we get into a situation where we hold a grudge for so long that we forget why we're holding a grudge. And I actually work with people like that. They come to my office, and they can't remember the event that got them hating the person that they hate, but they know they hate them. <laughs> yeah. So That's sad. So when you're going through situations at the holidays, it can be a, a, a blue Christmas. You know, it, it can be a, just sad. You don't want to function. You don't want to get out. But my encouragement is, is get out and about. Find that local church to be part of. There's there's always a group of people there that's wanting you to be part of them. They want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll accept you. And they'll accept you. And if you've been hurt by a church or church members, that's no reason to not keep going mm-hmm. and to, to get involved somewhere else. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of good churches out there. Just find one of the local New Testament churches and go. Yep. 
And right now, they're having all type of events. You know, Crystal and I teach a divorce care class at our church. It's, we've got two more weeks, I think, and then we're done for the holidays. Um, there's grief care groups. There's all type of groups, but you got to find them. They're not going to just come to you. And then, you know, I tell this all the time, get out and go. But if, you wanna, if you're going to go to that, that holiday party or New Year's Eve, whatever, you don't have to ride with somebody. Drive yourself. So that way, if you get ready to go, you can go. Correct. Because that's kind of another fear. You get, you know, well, I don't want to go because Crystal may not be ready to go when I want to go, but I've just lost my husband or lost my wife or I've just gone through this divorce and I may not feel like staying long. You got to go. You got to do something even though you don't want to. Uh, don't isolate yourself. Don't barricade yourself in that apartment or that house and have that pity party. And do not leave it on the Hallmark Channel. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I had to lighten it up a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes. our, pastor, our pastor had a whole theory on the Hallmark Channel. But, you know, it is. It is. We let society dictate to us how we're supposed to feel and what we're supposed to be doing and what not. No. We are our own person. We are our own individual person. And we have to be the ones that, that set out and go. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I say it all the time. God did not create us to be defeated. Mm-hmm. He created us to be victorious and to have have control of things in our life. He created us to be happy and healthy. He wants us to to, to re, be able to receive and be blessings to other people. Oh, gosh, He made us above the angels. He did. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something to think about. That's amazing when you really sit down and contemplate it. And that's, that's another problem. We don't really sit down and contemplate things like that anymore because we're in a fast pace, fast food, fast – we want everything right now. And a lot of people trying to force God out of everything. Oh, yeah. Well, everywhere you look, we're taking God out of it. Oh, yeah. You can't. No, you can't. And you will never be able to. As much as you try, you can have all the money in the world and try, but he will always be there. I forget who the astrophysicist was, but – all through his life, he had spent his time trying to disprove God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And he said, the problem with that is you climb one mountain and you get to the top and there he is. Yeah. Then you climb to the next one and there he is again. Mm-hmm. He says, you just can't get away from the guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what he said. And he, be, he ended up becoming a Christian because of that. Yeah. He, he had to face that there's something more than scientific fact and things. There's something more there that when you get it you'll wonder why you didn't get it a whole lot sooner right because it all works in it all works together yeah and it all then starts to make sense all the things that look like they're random aren't random anymore no no it all comes together and and makes a whole lot of sense Mm -hmm. oh yeah i just heard i won't say who it was but i just heard that a a person that i know uh had found the lord and had been baptized uh-huh. oh. and i said you are kidding me because if there was one person that i knew that denied the divinity of jesus christ and what he could do for your life it would have been this person mm-hmm. who watching him what he, how he lived his life and stuff but you know god got a hold of him he knows where he has to come and talk to us at yeah. oh yeah and he, and he, he turns and he the Sauls into Pauls. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Yeah. It, it was. It's, I'm, uh, I'll share it with you later. But it's a it's a big deal. At least to me, it was a big deal. I think I think we we have somebody in all of our lives that meet that description. That you just think it will never happen. Never happen for them. And then when it does, uh, that uh, another piece of faith that it is real. Yeah. Well, you, I'm trying to think of the writer uh, C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. He set out to disprove God and ended up. Uh, writing mere Christianity. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he found God trying to prove that there was no God. Right. Yeah. And it's pretty. That's a pretty cool story yeah. about him because he was just he was a philosopher, and of course, with philosophers, you go through a whole series of things, and when you come to the end, and it's the only acceptable answer, then it must be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And they call that there's a there's a theorem for that, and I forget what it was. I remember in philosophy they taught that to us, but I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, I, sh- I taught philosophy for a while on college level. And I I should remember that, but I don't remember. But I'm going to tell you what that screwed me up. It almost screwed me up. And I taught it. <laughs> you know who, who 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 saved me from all of that? Francis Schaeffer. Really? A little booklet called yeah. uh, You know um, that he that he wrote was called Escape from Reason, and when you read that. It showed you were escaping. You would give putting reason all to the side and just accepting all these theories and and ideas from these people. And they had as much proof for those things as most charlatans have proof for. I think that's when I actually understood what liberal education meant. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? How did you end up being uh, you know being a, a therapist? I I went to school to, to do this. Mm-hmm. No, actually, to back up. I wanted to be a state trooper. My uncle was a commander of state police for a long, long time. Wow. And I couldn't. So that blew my my whole life goal. Okay. So I went to college. You know, <laughs> all else fails, you go to college. That's right. And then I ended up and dad told me if I when I graduated from Union University over in Jackson, Tennessee, which he said if you uh you got two options now. Get a job or go back to school and i'll keep paying for things so i kept going to school there you go and uh i I had a when i got finished my doctorate i went to work at jackson madison county general hospital and i was their uh director of pastoral care i was their lead therapist in the counseling for Mm -hmm. chaplains and i did trauma work and i loved it and then from there i had a private practice and then we came back here moved back to arkansas and i ended up going into education for a while in the charter schools and worked uh, worked as principal and superintendent over in Osceola, and then uh, a couple of years back, about four years ago, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, our pastor and I started talking, and he said we really have a need for a good Christian based therapy. So we opened our practice at the church. I rented a space through the church, and now we're like I said, we joined our practices. So I, I hope in about a week or so, I'll move offices to our thirty eight hundred one JFK. <laughs> so okay. we're excited about that. Very cool. You know, you know who I'm talking about when I talk about Christian psychology and talk about Adams. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of his theories? No, you know, a lot of times when when you read theories, it's words. Yeah, it's not really what they think; it's what sells. Okay. So you know, there's a lot of different thoughts and different processes, but uh, really, the only the only book that we need to concern ourselves with. It's the scriptures. The scriptures, yeah, that's, I agree. That's the great philosopher. But that's the thing that Adams was adamant yep. about. 
Yeah. You never took the Bible out of your counseling. If you mm-hmm. took the Bible out, you're on shaky ground, as what he said. That's mm-hmm. exactly what we practice. Yeah. It's always a pleasure to have you guys here. Thanks Thank so you. much, Dave. I appreciate you, Chris. I'm sorry I didn't talk to you hardly at all today. Hey. hey. She, she got it last time. I got the whole hour last time, <laughs> yeah, so right. I'm, I'm perfectly content. <laughs> all right. We'll set it up again. Have you back in January here on the Dave Ellswick Show. you got important things to tell people. Don't forget about their weekend show. It's on Saturdays at what time? From 11 a.m. to noon on 101.1 The Answer and 3 to 4 on Sundays on 99.5 Faith Talk. All right. That's how it works. I got to get out of here. We'll be back at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.